Hola, cariño. Hola, amor. Y bienvenidos a Uy, qué horror, a Latinx Horror Movie Podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. And today we are battling one of the behemoth franchises of our horror lifetime. Hell yeah. Or at least a part of it. I don't know how much it'll stand the test of time, but it does belong oh. to the pantheon of just absolute gigantic <laughs> beasts of horror. Absolutely. This is up there. And I just have one question for you, Eileen. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> I think I'd say right now the thing. Oh, amazing. That's a great choice. That's a great choice. <laughs> what about what about you, Johnny? What's your favorite scary movie? Showgirls. <laughs> I have to say it's just a throwback. It's a throwback. It's a throwback. But actually my favorite scary movie is uh Jaws. I know not a lot of people consider that they're consider that a horror film, but it scared the fucking shit out of me. Yeah, you're a Jaws stan. Yeah, I absolutely am. Toxic fandom, something that runs rampant in this film. It sure does. Are we toxic fans? I am. I absolutely am. As I was watching this movie, uh, I was like, oh, they're talking about me. This is me. They're talking about me. Yeah, <laughs> I have certain things that I feel very strongly about. Yeah. And like, it's it's hard not to fully like want to be like i this is thing something i own i love and i love this so much by the way we haven't said what, are we what we're talking about? about what are we talking about <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen hoy esta tarde esta noche esta mañana we are mm -hmm. talking about scream 2022 now that's not its technical title it is just called scream even though it is scream 5 yeah. Which, honestly, <laughs> it, even in this movie, they talk about that, which I think is hilarious. Absolutely. And, you know, I, my God, toxic fandom right here, where I'm like, I take issue with the fact that you called your movie Scream. But also at the same time, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. It's fine. I recently watched this movie for the first time before deciding to cover it today. And I remember texting you being like, what, what were your thoughts? And you were like, what were your thoughts? And I was like, you know, um, I can, I, I think I, I'm excited to talk to you about it because even though you just said Jaws is one of your favorite movies, I often associate Scream with you because I think there's a huge love on your behalf, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my God. Scream is absolutely one of my favorite horror franchises. I yeah. was, am, like will forever be obsessed with these with these movies. So when you texted me that and was like, uh, and you were like, I just watched the new Scream, which I call Scream 22. I just call it Scream uh -huh. 22, whatever. I was like, uh, I could tell in your, I don't know if we like talked face to face or texted, but I was like, I, I, I think it was text. Yeah. But I, for some reason in your text, I could read that. I felt <laughs> like we both had the same kind of reaction to this film, which spoiler alert here at the top, I guess, but fuck it. I think we were both just kind of, oh, okay. Yeah. It's fine. 
Well, we'll dive deeper into those feelings. And I will say, though, that like like we've mentioned, I am a huge Scream fan. Huge. Love these fucking movies. I went to this. I saw this in the movie theaters when it came out. And I was I mean, I was so excited. Also, the movie theater was full of queer people, which I was like. Scream is for queer people, which I fucking love. <laughs> um, but I def- definitely left the theater like, ah, oh, eh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure. I couldn't quite place my feelings about it, but I'm really excited that you picked this movie. We've been talking about covering this film for a while. So let's get into it. I'm really excited. Absolutely. Let's just from the top say the reason why Scream is allowed in our pantheon is because our two of our leads are Latina ladies. So we love that. I guess that that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I look for... I looked for more like Latin American connections. I did. I, I also did, and there wasn't that many more. But yeah, let us know, everybody, if you know of any more. You know, please. Yeah. Oh my God, that'd be great. Pero también this week, this I picked us to record this this week because Scream Six, Jason mm-hmm. Takes Manhattan, starts <laughs> this Friday. So oh, so man. I figured that'd be a good little tie-in. Uh, Scream (laughs) 6, Jason Takes Manhattan. Perfection. Oh, man. Perfection. So let's talk Scream 2022. It was written by James Vanderbilt, Guy Busick, based on characters by Kevin Williamson and directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Guillet or Gillette. (laughs) Gillette. Gillette, yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. sure. Also known as Radio Silence. <laughs> oh, is that what their their like duo director name is? I think there are other members, but yeah, they they it's Radio Silence, I believe. Cool, is what they're known nice. as. Nice. Um, but before we delve deep into the Woodsboro massacre. <laughs> Uh, and that came out all floppy, but Woods what are you going to do? Moose Morrow. Flapping blur. Uh, <laughs> please remember to subscribe, rate, and review, or Ghostface will pop out of your closet in the middle of the night. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and uh, before we get to a synopsis by Jonathan Atkinson, mm. let's do some titulos de terror. Great. Again, like every American film that we do, or every USA-based film, we just kind of translate it <laughs> into whatever it was in Spanish or Portuguese. And um, hilariously enough, it's known as Scream in the Spanish-speaking countries, but every uh, some of them also call it Grita. It's what IMDb Grita. says. Pero, and I think if I'm not mistaken, the reason we started doing... Titulos de terror on the pod is because we found out that Scream in Brazil is called Panico. So Yes, to- <laughs> right. That's great. What a way to bring mm-hmm. it up. We're bringing around. it back, everybody. Yeah. So let's talk Panico. Panico. Dois mil vinte dois. And uh, get a synopsis from you. Great. All right. So I got the synopsis from IMDb. 25 years after a streak of brutal murders shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, California, a new killer dons the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Mm. 
<laughs> okay, guys, I decided just in case we have any listeners out there who have never seen Screams 1 through 4, here is a very quick slight oh. recap. Holy shit, I'm so excited <laughs> for this. Okay. Please, please Pipe in if you need to, Johnny. Absolutely. I believe that you are the better expert at those other four. I just, I need, I need to show you something very quickly. I'm literally wearing my Scream tank top yes! right now. Yes! Like, oh I my actually, god! I usually don't wear it. Because That's a great shirt. It is great, but I don't like that. Ghostface has a a knife to Sydney's neck, and she's like uh-huh. on the phone, and I'm like, this is a little rough to wear out on the street so I never really wear it out but sure you know, it's, a, it's a tough one <laughs> it's a tough one like people would be like damn what a tank top but you know yeah. just establishing that yes I am a scream nerd for sure professional scream <laughs> nerd uh, so if at, at any point in my slight recap you just great let me know great here we go scream Sydney is a high school student who's grieving the one-year anniversary of her mom's murder. A bunch of murders happen, including the historic murder of Drew Barrymore in the opening act of this film. Also, we have a classic villain established, Ghostface. Also, we see Deputy Dewey and Gail Weathers are there. Randy Meeks is a guy, and he is a movie nerd that gives us all the horror movie rules. Turns out the killers are Sydney's boyfriend, Billy Loomis, and his best friend slash lover, question mark, Stu Mocker. Great. Scream 2. Sydney is in college. There's a movie based on Sydney's story. It's called Stab. People start getting murdered again in Sydney's college. Dewey and Gail are back. Randy, the movie nerd, he knows all about it, and he gets killed, but not before giving all the rules of what a sequel Mm. in the horror movie world is. The killers are randomly Timothy Oliphant and Billy Loomis's mom. (laughs) Did you insert that randomly, or was that? Yeah, I I put randomly. Because it uh, is so random. Timothy Oliphant is just like, hey, I appeared for two minutes and I'm also uh, a killer. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scream 3. Sydney is a secluded hermit working with the California's Women Crisis Counseling Service. Stab is filming its third installment. Murders start happening again, but pictures of Sydney's dead mom in, in her youth are left at every murder scene. Gail and Dewey are back, but unfortunately, there are horrible bangs involved. Parker Posey is great. <laughs> And she is here too. Randy <sighs> leaves a video horror movie trilogy rules. Mm-hmm. And the killer is a single director of the latest stab movie who turns out to be the rape baby of Sydney's mom's youth, Sydney's half brother. Whoa. Whoa. Scream 4! It's 10 years later. Sydney wrote a self-help book. Dewey and Gail are married. On her book tour, Sydney goes back to Woodsboro and hangs out with her aunt and her cousin Jill. Jill's friends start getting murdered. There are two new film nerds that the, love the Stab series. The killers end up being Charlie, which is one of the film nerds, and Jill, the cousin. And she's mad that her cousin Sydney got too famous when she was almost murdered uh, 10 years ago. Yeah. 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 I think pretty that was pretty great. Solid. <laughs> that was really entertaining for me. I was just like, yeah, keep going, keep going. That was awesome. Nice. Nice. Well, now I that actually we know- had forgotten. I had forgotten that that Scream Three thing that um the uh, Roman Bridger was was Maureen Prescott's baby from a rape. 
Oh, God, I had forgotten that. Because one of the underlying themes in the movie is that Hollywood is full of gross rapist men. Absolutely. And that is a and, strong theme in that film in Scream yeah, 3. Yeah, and absolutely. And ironically enough, uh, the movie is under Miramax, which was hello. owned by fucking piece of shit Harvey Weinstein. So yeah. it's a uh, this. Yeah, yeah, wild. Mm-hmm. Wild. So, now that we are experts in the previous four Scream films, let's talk Scream. Let's go. 2022. A landline rings. A young woman named Tara is in her kitchen. She clicks off the phone like to make it stop ringing, and she reads unknown name on the caller ID. Everybody, welcome back to the main stage. Current reigning horror queen, Jenna Ortega. This bitch is working. Ooh. Doing all the horror things, only horror. Oh <laughs> I God. love that she's like, this is horror my queen. genre and I'm doing it. And she's doing it well. Love, yeah. love, love Jenna Ortega. Tara is texting with her friend Amber, trying to convince her to come over, enticing her with an open liquor cabinet, which oh. Amber is all about because we are teens and we love to illegally drink. We also see that Tara takes a big gulp from her asthma inhaler. Okay. Mm -hmm. The landline rings again, and this time Tara answers. It's Charlie, and he's asking for Tara's mom. Tara texts Amber that she thinks this guy on the phone is her mom's new boyfriend, and this guy lets slip that they met each other in group, which leads Tara to ask all kinds of questions, trying to, like, put the guy on the spot. Like, yeah. Kind of like, I'm going to fuck with this guy. Yeah. Oh, you know my mom from group? Interesting. What's this group you're talking mm -hmm. about? Because if you don't know, you're not supposed to out your friends that are an AA or NA guys. You're supposed right. to keep that chill and under wraps. Yeah, mind your own business, Tara. Yeah. <laughs> the guy on the phone tells her that her mom talks a lot about her, that she loves Tara very much, that she's very creative and how much she loves art and movies and especially the fact that she loves scary movies and that she's so proud to have made a fan out of Tara. And this softens Tara a little bit on the phone. She starts being less <laughs> pokey, shitty teen. Mm -hmm. And the voice says that the one thing that her mom wants to know is... What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, boy. Which Tara replies with The Babadook. And listen, as somebody who recently watched it and got the pants scared flying off of her, <laughs> like to the point where I had to pause and walk away for a day. Oh, listen, dude. I OK. So because I recently rewatched this movie, Scream 22, I was like, God damn, it's been a long time since I've seen The Babadook. So I watched it again last night and was no. like, this movie is hard. Like, it goes hard. <laughs> yeah. I I was not prepared for that rewatch. <laughs> it, first of all, is really fucking good. But yeah. uh, anyway, my point is, I see why Tara is like the fucking Babadook, Babadook because it's yeah. a great movie. <laughs> totally. But the reason she likes the Babadook is because it's elevated horror. It has complex emotional and thematic underpinnings, is what she says. But the voice says, oh, that's too boring. So he asks if Tara has ever seen Stab. Mm. 
And she says once when she was 12 at a sleepover and she mirrors the Drew Barrymore move of talking on the phone and picking up the knife from the knife block, which I was Mm -hmm. like, love this. Love Mm -hmm. the love to have, you know, like the hey, you see that? You see what we just did? The little homages and Easter eggs throughout are are fun. You know, it's fun to see that stuff. Totally. The voice is shocked and says, how can you be from Woodsboro and not know Stab? He asks if she remembers the beginning of the movie and how it's a girl who's home alone. And she answers a wrong number and starts talking with the killer who makes her play a game. Mm. Would you like to play a game, Tara? I wish I had a voice changer because I would totally fucking use it right now. (laughs) Karina, can you do that? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, Karina, you don't have to. I wish I could attempt to do this voice, but there's just no, there's no way. I also love, like, this isn't in any of my trivia or anything, but my dude has been doing the voice since just Since the top. And he fucking nails it and he's terrifying. Nails it every time. So Tara hearing, would you like to play a game? Fucking that freaks her out. Mm -hmm. So she hangs up on him. She grabs her cell phone and she uses like a security app, like a stay safe or simply safe or whatever to lock all her fucking doors. The future, man. Yeah, it's an interesting way to kind of like, because I feel like these the Scream movies are very much about technology in a certain way, you know? And Phones. so, yeah, and like it has to continuously Film. grow with, you know, what era we're in. Yeah. And so this was, I was like, okay, that's an interesting concept to kind of like bring into this film that you can just like yeah. push a button on your phone, boop. Your doors are locked. Alexa, close my doors, please. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Alexa, call the cops. Uh, Sorry if I've just called the cops in everybody's house right now. (laughs) So Tara also texts her friend Amber and and she's like, dude, this weirdo, he's freaking me out. And Amber texts back like if she's okay. Cuando de repente toca the landline again. And Amber texts Tara that she should answer it. And Tara texts Amber back, "Uh, how do you know that my landline is ringing? And Amber replies, this isn't Amber. Answer the phone, bitch. Which to me, I don't know why, but the word bitch is so Wes Craven-y to me. And I think it's just because... Freddy Krueger. Freddy loved Mm -hmm. to be like, bitch, 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 and bitch. Left and right. <laughs> so I love like seeing bitch. I was like, yeah, you gotta <laughs> say bitch here. <laughs> but also, it's very scary to see. Yeah, absolutely. It it heightens the stakes, ups the ante. Mm-hmm. You know, it it makes things just like a hint darker in this moment. Tara is about to dial nine one one when Amber texts, "Answer the phone or Amber dies." So Tara does, and the voice repeats, "This is not Amber." And on Tara's cell phone, she gets a video message and she sees Amber being filmed from outside her window, getting ready to, like, go over to her house, I guess. The voice says, Amber shouldn't leave her phone lying around so it could be so easily cloned. Another future thing Mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. And Tara asks the classic question, what do you want? I want to play a game. 
stab movie trivia, three rounds. You call the cops and Amber dies. You get a question wrong and Amber dies. So the voice asks if she wants a warm up question. But Tara now is currently flipping the fuck out. And she's like, I don't know anything about the stab movies, you fucking motherfucker. (laughs) Ask me about It Follows or Hereditary or The Witch. And I was like, watched it, watched it, watched it. I was very proud of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I even wrote all great movies. (laughs) But the voice begins the game. What Woodsboro native was introduced as the franchise's main character? Obviously, Tara knows it's Sydney Prescott, and she lived on Elm. Love that little detail. Okay, great. You did a great job, Tara. Question one. And Tara's like, what the fuck? I got it right. It should count. And he's like, no, that was the warm-up. I told you I was going to give you a warm-up. And she's like, fucking A. But the voice is like, vale verga, we're starting at one. <laughs> Question one. <laughs> Who wrote the original book that the Stab movies are based on? Tara knows. The chick from TV. Tara, you fucking, come on, Girl. get it right. It's fucking Gail fucking Weathers, all right? Hello, put and some respect like, on her name. Yeah, respect. <laughs> and she was like, it was Gail Weathers, you motherfucker. Which I was like, yeah, you tiny girl, you let him know. <laughs> Question two. Who played the dumb bitch? <laughs> which I was like, oh, calm down, ghost Damn, face. whoa. Who played the dumb bitch in the beginning of Stab 2 who answers the phone and gets carved up by the killer? And Tara struggles to remember and is running out of time, but oh, God bless the fact that we have handheld computers on our hands. And she Googles the cast for Stab 2 and says, Heather Graham. Great. Question three. Who was the killer in Stab 1? And Tara very quickly is like, I got you, you fuck. It was Billy Loomis, and he was Sydney's boyfriend, and fuck you, you fucking bitch. But all of us sitting mm-hmm. watching like, Scream no, 22, we're like, you stupid idiot, Tara. <laughs> so the voice says, no, I'm sorry, honey. It was Billy Loomis and Stu Macker. Can you imagine if everybody was like, I'm sorry, like, honey. I'm sorry, honey. Honey. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, if you had been like, me vale verga, honey. No. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Mira, amor, te digo. You fucked it up. So he says, Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker, and they were the two killers in Stab 1, and now somebody's gotta die. That's it. Tara puts down the phone, she grabs a knife from the knife block, and she runs to the door because she's gonna try and, like, quote-unquote, save Amber. And she opens the door and boo, it's Ghostface. Welcome, gentleman. We love you. He immediately slices at her stomach, but Tara has quick reflexes and she punches him in the fucking face, slams the door shut on him. But Ghostface gets to like squeeze in halfway just before she can get it shut all the way. They struggle a bit, but finally she's able to like shut it all the way. She locks her house with her phone app thing and she's freaking out because obviously she just got fucking sliced in the torso. In that same security app that she can like, close her whole dang house down, she presses the call the police button. And it says there, the police are on their way. Great. Y en la puerta, yo te digo, mira, in horror movies, when people bang on the doors, I can't. Me da un 
estrés, taquicardia, brother. Yo me pongo, like, I can't. It's, and fucking Ghostface is on that front door, like, poof, 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 poof. And it, I was like, no puedo, ya. Yeah. The Casey Becker scene in part one, that house is in the middle of nowhere. Pero this house doesn't seem that in the middle of nowhere. It seems like, you know, we're in a suburban neighborhood. I got casas por todos lados. And the the audacity to not to, to not even have a care in the world to be like, I'm gonna make this happen. I'm going for this. It is really terrifying. Ghostface in this movie is brazen. One hundred that is the correct word. He does not give a hot fuck. Not a care in the world. So Ghostface is banging on this fucking door, giving me a goddamn heart attack. And Tara picks up her knife that's on the floor and she yells at the door that the police are on their way. And the slamming stops. Y de repente, el security app, la voz del security app, dice, all systems disarmed. Esto yo me cago. I oh, shit no. myself. Like, that's why I'm like, I, w I can't, no. Lock in your doors with your phone? I uh, know. Grandpa and grandma. <laughs> right here with our canes being like, I can do it myself. Thank you very much. Back in my day, you boarded up a door with a piece of wood. <laughs> Listen, I have seen enough horror movies that literally every night, I mean, judge me if you will, everybody, every night before I go to bed, I check the doors y las ventanas. I'm like, locked, secured, cool. Buenas noches. That's, yeah. that's the way it is. And also, the robot uprising is not far behind. Oh, so no. who knows what the hell they're doing on their own robot time? Absolutely. Her? Have you seen her? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There is no way that I would trust an app to lock no. my doors. No. Never. So anyways, her doors are disarmed. Ila Tara starts to fucking panic, and she presses the button to arm them again. The doors are disarmed. Puta. Again, she presses. Doors armed. The doors are disarmed. No. The doors are armed. Back and forth. Oh my God, oh my God, forth, oh my God. Back and forth. Brother, the whole time Tara is walking backwards, facing the front door with her knife outstretched. She's sobbing. Jenna Ortega is so good at being afraid. Oh, yes. She is, she is committed mwah. to the bit. Committed yeah. to the bit. Finalmente, the disarming stops. Cuando toca el maldito teléfono de nuevo. Bro, I jumped so high when this fucking phone rang again. Tara answers. Bonus question, Tara. Do you think I made it inside your house before you could rearm? Y sale el fucking ghost face detrás de ella. This was the jump for me. This uh, I, was I had the jump. I was like, ping, ping, yeah. ping, 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 all over the place. <laughs> and I've seen this fucking movie before, and I was still like, puta. Yeah. Que susto. Jumpville yeah. 5000. Que susto. Y no solo eso, pero sale and immediately this motherfucker stabs her deep Ooh. in the gut. She turns around and she punches him in the face again. At least she's fucking punching him in the face. But he grabs her hair and he flings her to the ground and she's trying to crawl away from him. But he grabs her and he turns her around and she kicks him off. Pero not before... Ooh, he stomps down on her fucking leg, Ugh. breaking it, bone salido y todo. Uy, 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 uy. 
<laughs> and he turns around and he goes to stab her, pero she lifts her hand in reflex to like stop him. Y el cuchillo va through her fucking hand. Ay. She screams, la pobre Tara. Man, she's this going is through it. Brutal. Brutal. Oof. The blood curdling scream that comes out of her fucking tiny body, but he keeps pushing that knife still that through her hand, the blade, and he's pushing it down so it could go into her chest. Pero La Terra pushes him off and kicks him, making him trip, and he smashes his head on the kitchen counter. She keeps trying to crawl away, and behind her, okay, yo no sé si vos. Viste esto, and I don't know if maybe it affected you the same way it affected me, mm. but the way that he stood up at this point, because he's such a blob in his like cloak, in his black cloak, he's kind of kneeling on one leg, but the ghost face is facing us, and the way that he stands up is like... He never stops looking at us, but the body rises. Ooh, bro, it gave me the willies. It's very, uh, it was a great shot, first of all, but also very purposeful. You of know? course. Oof, yeah. He's slowly walking after her as she's crawling to the door, which just makes it so much eviler. And the way that he, um, he also like flips the knife, uh-huh. or, which uh, to a more like, I guess, what you would call stabby Kill position. Shot. Oh, God. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. And you know how we are about stabbing here. Oof, we, this movie ugh. was really rough for me. Yeah, yeah. Lots <laughs> of stabbing, everybody. Hey, so the the parody film of this is called Stab? Great. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. We hear the police sirens coming down the street, but Ghostface still approaches Tara. He grabs her by the foot and he pulls her towards him, and he stabs her in the back two more times. We see the police lights on Ghostface's face. He turns Tara around. He raises his knife up. He slices down into our title card, Scream. I mean, another solid opening. You cannot open a Scream movie without a solid opening. Absolutely. Definitely not the best one, but effective. Effective. I mean, you'll never have a best one other than Drew. There's Uh, no uh, way. There's no way. No, absolutely not. Now we're in Modesto, California, outside a bowling alley. We see Sam, a young lady in a bowling alley uniform. She's sitting on a curb outside and she pulls out a pill bottle and pops a pill. Okay. Okay. Out of the bowling alley comes Richie, Sam's co-worker and boyfriend. He asks her if she's okay, and she responds with a tired, yes, you don't always have to be checking on me. Obviously related to the pills, it seems. Mm, mm -hmm. Sam's phone rings, saying it's Wes, which Sam ignores. Mm. And she gets an immediate text after she ignores it, saying, I don't know if you remember me, but if you can, can you call me? It's about Tara. So Sam calls. And Wes answers and says, Tara's been attacked. She's alive, but in bad shape. She was stabbed. And he says he knows that they're not in the best of terms, but Sam cuts him off and says that she's on her way. But before she hangs up, she asks Wes if they know who did this. And he says she says it was someone in a ghost face mask, which seems to kind of rock Sam a little bit. Well, I mean, what a terrifying thing you know in this town that continuously gets 
re-traumatized. Every, every like few years, this keeps fucking happening. Yeah. Um, this was a moment for me. I remember when I first watched this. Unfortunately, the fact that Tara survives, which is the uh-huh. first time I believe time. that this has ever happened in a Scream film. This was spoiled for me. I think I read no on Twitter or or I don't know. I mean, you know, it's impossible. Like now, yeah, like right, right now with the new one coming out, I am trying to be so fucking careful to avoid the spoilers. But this part was spoiled for me. And I was so sad that I was like, God damn it. I know that she's going to live, you know, at least <laughs> at least, you know, for this part of it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a terrible yeah, thing yeah. to say, like, God damn no, it. No. She survives. <laughs> but I, you know. It definitely like, but it makes sense because I knew want, the stakes mm-hmm. weren't as high. I wasn't like, oh my god, oh my god. It was still awful, you know. But but I was like, god damn it, fucking Twitter or whatever the hell it was, you know. <laughs> fucking Reddit. And then people um, are like, so stay off the internet. Fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. Okay. I, let me ass. do what I want, but also put shut your mouth. Don't spoil bitch. shit, people. Yeah. What the Ugh. hell? Anyway, so Sam goes to Woodsboro with Richie. They decide to go together. Back in Woodsboro, we see some teens sitting at their outside of their like high school and we hear a PA announcement that says school is canceled tomorrow due to public safety concerns. Ladies and gentlemen, that PA voice None other than Mary Moore herself. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Love that. Love that sweet little detail. So on these picnic tables outside the high school, we meet Amber, which we finally like officially see from Tara's phone. Wes, the kid that called Sam, Mindy and Chad, who are siblings and Chad's girlfriend, Liv. Chad is trying to convince Liv to add the Find My Fam app on her phone because it's the safest thing to do with a killer running around. And it's basically just like find my friends, find my phone same thing that all these iPhones have. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, how will this be used later in our film? You know? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Way to just mm-hmm. drop this yeah. information. <laughs> yeah. Wes actually agrees that, you know, no social media is better or GPS or any of these things because you don't want to be cloned. You don't want to be traced. He seems like a nervous Nelly. Is this my husband? This bed. is my husband. This is my husband. <laughs> like, social media. Oh, that's all terrible. Burn it all. I'm like, okay. Exactly. <laughs> And Chad brings up that Wes's mom, who is Sheriff Judy Hicks from mm-hmm. Scream 4, yep. uh, just interrogated him about Tara's attack. And Wes is like, yeah, she's basically interviewing fucking everybody because, duh, ghost face is back, you dumb bitch. So <laughs> she's got to do her fucking job. Hello. <laughs> so Mindy says that the press isn't saying it's ghost face yet. And that it'll probably be out if after the second or third killing, which is a dark thing to say when your friend was attacked and is in the hospital, you fucking heartless bitch. But okay. Also, another thing that happens in these scream films where it's like somebody says something and then you immediately think, oh, suspect. Could it be you Uh for saying something so shitty? Okay, totally. And then we see Liv points out a random creepy dude that like drives up towards close to them. And this guy's named Vince. I didn't need this storyline here. This character? I, felt, I really, I was like, uh, 
I don't feel like we needed it. Love Kyle Gallner. Love him. But this could have been snipped. Cut Absolutely. It. No pun Agreed. intended. Cut it out. And there is a random connection. And but, you know, so here's Vince. He's a creep. Apparently, he hooked up with Liv at some point and he used to work with Tara and Liv wherever they worked at. But he's like stays in his car and like creepily looks at Liv and is like giving finger guns almost. And Yet another thing. possible suspect. Yes, you know? absolutely. Totally. While we're looking at him, Amber notices on Chad's arm that he's got a bunch of bruises. And when uh, Tara said that she was attacked, she fought back really hard. So maybe, you know, this is a scene that we're just like, suspect, who suspect, could it suspect, be? Suspect, yeah. Suspect, yeah. suspect, let's give all the reasons to be suspicious of everybody. So bruises mm-hmm. on Chad. And then they all get a text from Tara saying that she's awake. So her sweet friends, quote unquote sweet, decide to go see her in the hospital. All except Liv, who stays behind, kind of looking over at Vince again still. So again, suspicions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Always suspicious minds. So. (laughs) In a car, Richie and Sam are driving to Woodsboro. They talk about the stab movies and how Richie has never seen them. And Sam explains that they're all based on the things that happened in Woodsboro. And these things being Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker killing a bunch of kids wearing a Halloween ghost mask. And every decade or so, someone gets the idea to put on that mask, kill a bunch of people just to try and get famous, too. The last time that it happened, it was in 2011. And Richie asks if Sam has any idea why someone would be wearing that mask and wanting to kill her sister. And Sam says no and looks out the window very pensively. And you're like, hmm. What's going on in there? Yeah, mystery. Sam and Richie arrive at the hospital where all of Tara's friends are like surrounding her. And Tara seems glad that her sister has come. She's, you know, like, oh, you made it. And Sam introduces all the teens to Richie and how she used to babysit all of them. And she also introduces Amber like, but there's some tension there. There's like some yes, awkward. Oh, like, oh, hey, it's you. Mm-hmm. While everybody else got a hug, Amber didn't get a hug. Yeah. We find out that Tara and Sam's mom is in a conference in London, which explains why she's not here. And Amber says that maybe should they should just let Tara get some rest and they all start to pile out. But Tara asks Sam to stay behind. And once they leave. They have this really beautiful moment of Tara basically like falling apart to her sister being like, I was so scared. And mm. I was, I really loved this little moment yeah. because I don't think we've ever seen this like aftermath of I've been attacked by somebody yeah. and how it can fuck you up. And I think Jenna Ortega does a really good job at like finding that little vulnerable spot and being like, being almost murdered is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. And you know, this was something for me the f- I, I'm really grateful that you picked this movie first of all because I love the screen films, but also because it gave me a chance to revisit this. I don't think I had seen it since I saw it in the movies, honestly. Really? May I I honestly don't remember, but in when I saw this originally, it I was like uh I mean I'm an old fart here who's been watching these movies, you know, for a long time. I was like, where is Sydney? 
where's Dewey? Where is Gail? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't fucking care about these kids. Me vale verga. Pero rewatching this, I felt more invested in their storylines. Yeah. And I, you know, it, I appreciate that they really do introduce us to a completely new group of characters here and characters that, you know, uh, like I said, there are a few that, you know, we can snip and do away with, yeah. but they give you the time to actually care about them, especially these two sisters. Yeah. Be and like these moments, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, I feel cheesy. Like, no, no me gusta. But rewatching it, you realize, no, we're giving them time to like make us care. And yeah. so I agree with you that I think that these like it's not just this one. We get a few no, scenes more, with the two yeah. sisters together, just the two of them. And yeah. it's really lovely and heartfelt. And it's, yeah. you know, it's just nice to see. Plus, you know, the reason we are here, they are Latinas, which is yeah. also a really wonderful thing. So, you know, agreed. At a bar, these fucking teens are here. What are we out? doing here? <laughs> Cut it. Edit. Cut. And somewhere else, they're like at a Not fucking here. pool bar. And I'm like, bro, everybody's face is like smooth skinned and beautiful. I'm like, you can tell you're 12 years old. What is this bartender doing? Like, is it because we're a grandma and a grandpa over here? I was like, hey, what are we doing in this spot? No, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of both. But I genuinely was like, these teens. No, okay. it felt weird. I agree. This was not the right spot for put them in a fucking, I don't know, a library or something. <laughs> put them in a Toys R Us where they belong. Put them in a fucking like bowling alley. I don't know. Something different. Put them in a McDonald's playpen where children <laughs> need to go. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Oh, man. But I, yeah, this is weird. This is fucking weird. So they're in this bar randomly playing pool and they're all talking about the mysterious Sam. And Chad is like, I think she's cool because she used to babysit me and used to let me wear Pokemon onesies. And Amber is like, um, no, she is not cool. Her dad left her mom when Tara was eight and Sam was 13. So because of that, st Sam starts to act out. And on her 18th birthday, she just up and leaves. Mm. And Amber says that maybe she's changed. But she just doesn't want to see Tara get hurt again. And then they're interrupted by that random creep Vince again, who tries to chat up with Liv. But Chad, who is Liv's boyfriend, gets all broy and gets all up in his face. But then a switchblade comes whoa, out. Whoa, and whoa, whoa. Brother, everybody calm down. And then finally the bartender decides to do her fucking job. And she's like, a ver, salganse de aquí. No knives, no kids. Get the fuck <laughs> out. Also... <laughs> Like I've said, I fucking love Kyle Gallner. But I was like, what is with this? Like, he's like, hey, yo, like, what? Uh, hey, hey, Liv. Hey, what, what, oh, hey, hey, what you, you over there? Hey, you want an actual and I was like, beverage? Like, is this an episode what, of The Sopranos? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what is this choice? Well, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Hey, yo, uh, Liv. Uh, oh, okay. Hey. All right. <laughs> it's me, Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Exactly. What? Okay. <laughs> uh, so everybody gets the fuck out of the bar. Y afuera, Vince is peeing up against the bar's wall and he's like, hey, fuck hey, yo. you. 
Hey, fuck it! Hey, fuck, fuck it! What the what? fuck? I'm like, are who you, are you yelling at? Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> like, this isn't Rocky, dude. What the hell? <laughs> oh shit! And so, as he's peeing, a shadow rushes past behind him. Y de repente, the brights from his car turn on and like right on his body. And the car starts to rev up, which again was gave me the same feeling as the banging mm. on the door. I was like, these sounds, my neurodivergent brain can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> so Vince believes that it's Chad in his car trying to like keep fighting. And as he walks up to it and finally out of the glare of the brights, he sees there's no one in the car. He looks in the ignition through the window and he sees that there's a knife in there. So he pulls out the knife and as he pulls his body out f- from like the window, boo, ghost faces behind him and stab right Ooh. in the fucking neck. But like, like with it's a, the swiftness, like a hole Bam. punch. Pero con yes. un cuchillo. Bam. This <laughs> yeah. scared the fucking shit out of me yeah yeah, yeah. Um, pero también love that they play that classic song the orville peck right no it's um it's not it i oh sounds very much like orville peck it's i can't i think it's nick cave and the bad seeds where it's like oh, with the red right hand um I which has been was playing peck. it's been like through i i if it hasn't been featured in all of them i just i loved that they included this here love nice Nice. So quick and easy, Vince falls to the ground, bleeding out. Okay, this One random ass fucking guy. Yeah, it was yeah. very quick. Honestly, for this guy that we barely know, like I was like, this is all I need for this person. I don't need a crazy death. Ghostface stands above his body and wipes that blade clean when <gasps> Sam wakes up with a start at the hospital. <laughs> Next to Tara, who's still asleep. And she looks over to the chair and Richie is there and he's watching something on his phone. It's Stab. It's on Netflix. Oh, another. <laughs> How convenient. We are in our future mm-hmm. present times. And Sam is like, I'm just going to go find something to eat. So she heads to the hospital break room and Sam pops one of her pills. She bends down on the over the sink to get a gulp of water from the tap. When she pops back up and boo, pero no es ghost face. It's Billy Loomis stabbed form. and like in white his shirt. stabbed form. Yeah. Mm-hmm. White shirt, ble- blood on the on the shirt. Fucking 90s gel hair. hair. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when I first watched this movie, I was like, are we going to have a ghost on our hands now? Like, is this mm-hmm. going to be a ghost thing? Mm-hmm. But then immediately Billy Loomis in the mirror says, hello, Sam. Pero la Sam no se ve sorprendida. She's not surprised no. at all. Mm-hmm. And he says, so the antipsychotics aren't working as well as they used to, huh? You can't run from who you are. When are you going to tell her why all of this is happening? But this vision, hallucination, ghost is interrupted by Sam's phone ringing. Hello, Samantha. And Sam asks who it is, and the voice says, I'm the one who knows your family's secret. And Sam says, are you the fuck that hurt my sister? And the voice says, she's not the only one he's going to hurt. 
I had to get you back here somehow. And very courageously, she says, you want to fuck with me, asshole? I'm right here. Come and get me. And I was like, girl, don't say that shit. No. Do not invite this kind of energy into your being. You don't need it. (laughs) I get it. Like your family has been your sister has been brutally mm-hmm. attacked. Like, you know, I would probably be feeling those kind of fiery feelings. Sure, too. you're like, living. You know, you're like, yeah. I want to kill you too. You try to kill my sister. Fuck you, bitch. But yeah, this is a classic scream moment where she's like, I'm right here. Yeah. And uh, Ghostface answers, oh, uh, come and get you with pleasure. And cierra una puerta and boom, el fucking maldito ghost face. And he attacks her and he lunges at Sam, stabbing at her, but he hits the bulletin board instead when she ducks. Ghost face punches her in the face, sending her flying to the floor. She grabs a chair and she like pushes ghost face off of her with the legs of the chair poking out. She stands up, runs behind the table, and this guy is swiping at her, but the swipes are wild. They're like so, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. I don't know why that was like, la cosa. <laughs> And so she pushes that fucking table to, like, push him further away from her, sending him tumbling back. And she runs out the door. She's screaming. She's screaming. Help me. He's trying to kill me. He's trying to kill me. She bumps into a cop who asks her what's wrong. And she tells him some tr- someone tried to kill me in the break room. He goes in gun drawn. Pero no hay nadie. So now we're in Tara's hospital room and Sheriff Judy Hicks is there. And she's talking to Sam Ritchie and Amber, who's arrived. And apparently the call had come from Amber's phone, which Amber Mm. brushes off saying like, well, he cloned my phone before, so maybe he did it again. But Richie is like, I don't know. What if you're the fucking killer, dude? And then the two of them have this like bickering back and forth of like, well, where were you? Oh, well, where were you? And where were you? And it's like, okay. And even Sheriff Judy Hicks is like, shut the fuck up. Okay. You dumb whores. And Sam says, hey, by the way, are we going to have some more fucking cops around our room if this guy's just going to be able to literally brazenly waltz into this hospital? Into a hospital. Yeah. Good Lord. Again, and brazen. Brazen. And he and Sheriff Hicks is like, yes, absolutely. And if you want a private floor, we can do that, too. And she assures Sam that they'll be safe. Pero la Sam is being spicy about it. And she's like, oh, like we've been so far. And Sheriff mm. Hicks kind of like takes a breath and she's like, hey, Sam, let's maybe go outside and talk. So they do. And outside the room, we can tell that these two ladies have a past. And it yeah. turns out that Sheriff Hicks was one of the cops that had to like wrangle Sam when she was acting out and causing a bunch of trouble to her family in her youth. And back in Tara's room, Sam asks to talk to Tara by herself. So Richie and Amber head on out. And Sam asks Tara if she remembers when their dad left. And if maybe she remembers the boxes that their mom left in the attic. And that one day when she was 13, she went up there to look for Christmas presents. But instead, she found their mom's old diaries from high school. And Sam knew that 
their mom got pregnant with Sam when they were when she was in high school. So she wanted to find out more about how their mom and dad got together, that it would have been sweet and romantic. And so she started to read these diaries. But instead, she finds out that their mom was was dating their dad, but she was in love with some other guy. And that Mm. guy got her pregnant. So the mom lied to Sam and Tara's dad, saying that the pregnancy was his. And that's why he proposed to her in their senior year. Mm. But when Sam read these diaries, she confronted her mom with them and she was like, what the fuck is this all about? And she didn't see that her dad was right behind her. And that's when he found out that Sam wasn't his daughter and he left that night. And their mom made Sam promise not to tell Tara all about this because she was still too young. She was eight. But that's also why Sam changed and became distant and weird and apparently doing a shit ton of drugs because these diaries revealed who their who her real dad was. And her real dad was Billy fucking Loomis. You know, an interesting take. I uh, I can't remember how I initially felt about this, but it's just it it takes me like it honestly puts me back in like 1996, that era and like just envisioning all this happening. But then this mother who we never meet, we never learn really much anything about her. But just to also imagine like that mother discovering what Billy Loomis did. Mm. And she was just trying to protect her daughters. Yeah. Especially Sam, because that is literally uh, Billy Loomis's daughter. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, it's far fetched, but I buy it. You know, I'm just like, I buy this. And it's Sam discovering this later on and being angry about it and like, you know, rebelling in this way makes sense because your fucking dad was a brutal serial killer. Psychopath. And so, you know, I was like, this is this is interesting to me. It's not a storyline that I hate. And to add to that. I read that Melissa Barrera, who plays Sam, Uh got a lot of shit for her performance Really? Yeah. And I actually, I was feeling this. I think she does a good job. She reminded me of of people I went to high school with because you can like hear like a hint of her accent in there, which I found like super relatable. I don't know. Like I really bought it. And especially with Jenna Ortega to kind of like play off of this was a great, a great scene, a, a cool enough reveal I will say, though, the Billy Loomis ghost figure, whatever that looms mm-hmm. around this movie. Uh, I don't know about that. That's... Yeah, I'm I'm excited to go a little deeper yeah. once we get. Yeah, we need to go. The we need to get parts. further. Yeah, 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 especially toward the end where I'm like, hmm. Uh huh. Yes. So she reveals that Billy Loomis is her dad. And not only that, but somebody somewhere in this vicinity knows that information and that's probably why Tara got hurt. And Tara honestly is rightfully so is like, you gotta go. Mm. You need to leave. You were gone for five years and you come back now because I was stabbed, not because of any other reason. And not only 
that, but now you're dropping all this crazy information on me? No. Get the fuck out. I can't handle this right now. Mm. And and Sam is very apologetic and feels awful. And she's like, I'm sorry that this is happening. But she respects Tara's wishes and she leaves the room. Mm. Outside, Richie was listening the whole dang time. And Sam, Sam asks him, doesn't this freak you out that my dad was a fucking serial killer, dude? And he's like, absolutely it does. Yeah. But I love you. Okay, so okay. he's staying with her. Mm-hmm. And then he asks what their next move should be. And she says, we go talk to an expert. Hey. In a trailer park, it's our lovable deputy, Dewey. And he's looked better. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe he's not doing great. Lived better, probably. But it's early morning, and he's having coffee and whiskey, which also implies... <laughs> Problems. Tough times. Yeah. Yeah. And he's watching Gail Weathers on her morning TV show, Good Morning with Gail Weathers. And so we see, like, they're obviously not together anymore. She's doing great. He is not. Mm. But he seems to be really happy for her. Like, he watches yeah. the TV and he smiles when he sees her. And you see on his little mantle, there's a picture of them together when they were together which also is an actual picture they, of them yeah a picture yeah. of them in their like actual relationship actual relationship yeah which that's another thing here that i think like for scream fans that relationship is all i know they're not together but right. because it like formed with the scream films like yeah. it means a lot yeah and it's and like so i don't i don't know why this choice to have Dewey in this state was tough for me. Yeah. Because he, sure, he's a doofus. Sure. But, but we love man, that he's a doofus. We love that he's a doofus, but he's never been... A bumbling always, doofus. Exactly. He's always been, like, put together. Like, he yeah. became the fucking sheriff. Like, and he went through so much. So to see him in this state was really it's tough. a bummer. And... I want to say like it was it felt like a wrong choice for me. But on the other hand, the man has been through so much trauma. Yeah. How can you not? And so, you know, like so this is, you know, he's drinking. He's, uh, you know, uh, he's not the sheriff anymore. And I understand why they went this way. But I just I don't like it. I'm I can't because I can't help but dislike Dewey. it. Yeah. 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 I, can't I, help I but agree. Dislike it. It's a it's, it's hard, a tough it's pill to swallow. Yeah. Yeah. There's a knock on his door, which he immediately yells at them to go the fuck away and that he doesn't do interviews. But Sam says that she's not here to do an interview because it's Sam outside. Mm -hmm. And Dewey's like, "Okay, give me one good reason why I should talk to you. I'm Billy Loomis's daughter. Immediate door open. (laughs) Hola. (laughs) That'll do it. But he says, I'm giving you two minutes. Hmm. So Sam and Richie go inside and right away, right away, I love this. Dewey is like, who is this guy? Uh, My boyfriend, Richie. How long have you known him? Six months. Did he know about your past when you met him? Did he express any interest in Woodsboro or the killings? And again, Richie's like, what the hell, dude? And Dewey is like, bitch, I've been through this too many fucking times to not know what the fuck I'm talking about. The killer is obsessed with the stab movies and there are absolutely rules to surviving a stab movie. And I really like that we that Dewey takes on this Mm. like torch 
for being the rule teller. I was like, I mean, he would know. Yeah, he would know. Totally. So he breaks down our rules. Another thing that I'm like, if you're going to give me a screen movie, I'm expecting to hear somebody list off some rules. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Give me the rules. Rule one. Never trust the love interest. Even if they seem sweet and caring and supportive, doesn't matter. Welcome to act three. And they're trying to fucking kill you. And Richie gets super defensive and he's like, I was with Sam in Modesto when Tara got attacked. And Dewey was like, oh, yeah. And I bet you you were probably conveniently unaccounted for in the other room when Sam got attacked. Is that not the case? Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Rule two, the killer's motive is always connected to something in the past. Doy, Billy. Billy's fucking daughter, right? But Richie is like, well, what about that Vince guy that got murdered outside the bar? And Dewey's like, you figure that fucking out, homie. I'm living my life in my trailer. Go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Rule three, the first victim always has a friend group that the killer is a part of. And Doy, we've met Tara's group of friends. So look over there. And if you can find out why they're doing this, you'll find out who's next. And Sam asks Dewey for his help. She's like, listen, you know the best. You know the most. And Dewey is like, bitch, I've been stabbed nine times. Okay. I have a limp nerve damage. My wife is no longer with me. Like, I I can't do this. No more. Pero la Sam, que no es burra, brings up a good point. You just said that it all comes back to the past. So if I'm in danger, that means that you're in danger, honey, because he is OG, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pero Dewey says, two minutes are up, get the fuck out of there. So Sam and Richie head off to talk to the friend group. Pero back in the trailer, (laughs) I love this little detail. We hear Gail on the TV still, and she says, and next, the pros and cons of reuniting with old friends. <laughs> As Dewey oh is God. having to communicate now, which he's about to call Sydney and Gail to let him know that shit is going down again. Can I just say, like, David Arquette's performances throughout these films, I'm not going to lie. They've been kind of like hit or miss for me. Love this character. I agree. Love. But David Arquette in this movie is so wonderful he's so sweet such a good job there's like this tenderness to him there's like there's fragility in that he's had again like you said the trauma has overtaken his life that there's something about him where you're like i just want to give you like a cup of hot cocoa and like be like dude are you okay but also it's fucking dewey riley who has survived all these years. Yeah. And like this, I mean, I know you're about to mention what happens next, but th- this is an expertly acted scene that I he agree does pretty entirely. much solo. Yeah. And I was just like, God damn. Wow. The yeah. growth is apparent and very, very, it's just really lovely to see. I agree. So Dewey grabs his phone and he makes a call. On a boardwalk by some beautiful water, we see a lady running with a stroller. I got chills. Her phone, <laughs> <laughs> Her uh, phone rings. She picks it up and she turns to reveal who she is. Ladies and gentlemen, the final girl queen, Sydney Prescott, is here. 
She's very surprised to hear from Dewey. How are you? How's being sheriff? Mm, which makes me so sad. My God. I know. It's so sad. Especially because she's like, how's being sheriff and how's everything? She how's doesn't know. How, When did you talk to Gail Lass? And he's like brushing everything off, but also trying to be polite and not cut her off. But he also has to give her this news. Yeah. So he's like, no, I haven't talked to Gail in a few years. And Dewey's like, but, but Sydney, there's no time for a small talk. It's happening again. Three attacks so far, one dead. But something about this one feels different. Which I find that sentence to feel very meta in this moment. Because as we're watching this movie, it is different. That particular line for me just felt very ominous. I was like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like it. Sydney checks in on Dewey. She's like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, you know me. And he, she's like, yeah, I do know you. And that's why I'm asking if you're okay, mm. which I was like, oh, these, uh, these people that have been bonded together through trauma. Yeah. It's really, it's very lovely, but also heart wrenching. So he obviously downplays all of that, but he just is like, I just want to make sure that you're safe. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Oh, God damn. I mean, that line, I swear that line in and of itself, like bumps this movie up an ooey for me just because I'm like, oh, yes. Yeah. I love that so much. I'm not a fucking proponent of guns at all, but I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have a, of course she does. Of Of course she does. She must. So Dewey's like, good. I'm so glad. Gail's my next call. But he makes, Sydney promise that no matter what she sees or hears, don't come to Woodsboro. Which she's like, uh, Nadoy boy, I am not, I, uh, there's Never not a chance again. in fucking hell I'm going back there. And she tells Dewey to be safe and they hang up. Also, just wanted to add that I love that she mentions Mark and that happens to be the cop from part three. So they ended up getting married, which I was like, <laughs> and having cute. kids and having babies. Cute. And it's a uh, Mr. McDreamy or Dr. Yeah, McDreamy. Yeah, fucking. Or I whatever. never watched Grey's Anatomy, and, but I see McDreamy. McDermott? McDreamy. Whatever. Girl, that fucking I don't. Guy. That, you know who we're talking about. <laughs> so now off the phone, <laughs> Dewey has to like psych himself up to send Gail this message, which he chooses to send as a text, not a phone uh, call. Yeah. And he texts her, Ghostface is back. Don't come here. And then the next text he sends is, hope you're doing well, smiley face. This is what I'm talking about. This was so well. This is just him texting. That's just Dewey. This was really well done. Yeah. He he nailed this. He's about to type out, I still love you, but he chooses not to. Mm. And he looks over at at the picture of them both and walks over to the box that this picture is on top of. He opens it, and inside is his badge and gun. Mm. Deputy Dewey, back on the case. Also love the, um, I mean, love slash ter- horrible, so sad, but the, the box with Tatum's ashes in it next to yeah. the thing. I was like, oh, God. Taking it back. Taking it back to the original. Over at Mindy and Chad's house, Sam uh, has called the meeting of all the friends to meet over here. And just as Sam and Richie are about to go inside, Sam sees Dewey pull up. He's decided to help them. 
Inside Mindy and Chad's house, we see a huge pixelated picture of Randy Meeks because Mindy and Chad turn out to be Randy's niece and nephew. Yeah. Okay, another connection. Mm-hmm. We also see a little plaque that says the Randy Meeks Memorial Home Theater, which is very funny and <laughs> I think very sweet. The whole gang of kids is here, and in comes Martha Meeks, played by Welcome to the Dollhouse's fucking, uh, what's her name? <laughs> Shit. Heather, Heather, Heather Matarazzo. Heather Matarazzo. Matarazzo? Yeah. yeah, she's fabulous. She's always fabulous. Oh, she's so great. Uh, and she has juice and snacks. <laughs> and I love when she walks in and she's like, ooh, suspects. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this fucking mom move. Oh, my God. Hilarious. I Hilarious. love it. So uh, Martha Meeks is Mindy and Chad's mom. And after some hellos, it's time to talk. And Sam tells everyone that she has to tell them something. This was weird to me. Hmm. To corral the group of friends to reveal to them that you're Billy Loomis's daughter and that one of them is the killer. Like, what a weird thing to be like. So this is what I know. And one of you is the murderer. Like, you're being very casual and chatting about one of them being the murderer. If one of them is the murderer, you're you should be scared. Like, this is scary. I mean, maybe it was a way for her to just be like. I know that one of you had like, according to the rules that have been established, uh-huh. this is the case and I'm on to you. Um, and it's also like, you don't have power over me with the secret about my dad, about Billy Loomis anymore. If I just choose to reveal this to everybody, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes so, sense. I but don't know. I, but also just but like, it is like a sunny afternoon and we're all just chilling and like having Kool-Aid and Cheez-Its and fucking one of you is the killer. So Chad brings up a good point that if it's all connected to the past, why kill the creep Vince over at the bar? And this is where it all comes together, even though it is it is a side bar kill. Uh, Amber Googled him and he's not just a rando. Vince's mom is Leslie Mocker, who is Stu Mocker's sister. And Stu Mocker was Billy Loomis's accomplice. And okay, so we're all putting this together. Everyone is connected. Now we know that the three attacks, the first attacks, were all related to the original serial killers. Mm. And this is when Mindy gets a Randy Meeks light bulb and she's like, oh my God, he's making a requel. So Mindy does a little Randy Meeks diatribe and is like, this is what a requel is. The last stab movie was directed by Ryan Johnson, which I was like, (laughs) okay. But it made sense because uh, because he did like Knives Out and like mystery stuff. So because Scream and Stab are all whodunits Uh, and make sense. And even Liv says like, oh, I really like that one and whatever. It's It's a good one. But it was hated by the OG Stab fans that on 4chan and Dreadit and all these like uh, fucking message boards, everyone complained that Stab 8 ruined their childhood, that the added social commentary to make it elevated was unnecessary, and that they made the main character a Mary Sue. 
which uh, which fucking Richie's like, what's a Mary Sue? And I was like, yeah, what is a Mary Sue? And they never explain it. So I Googled it. And this is what a Mary Sue is. Mary Sue is a derogatory criticism for a character that fits either or both of two character archetypes. One, an author insert character used for wish fulfillment and or two, an idealized character who is talented at everything and has no meaningful flaws that may have a tragic backstory. So common Mary Mm. Sue characters are Harry Potter, Katniss Evergreen, Everdeen, Ever being uh-huh. Everdeen, her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. and like that kind of character. Like oh. I'm great in everything and the hero and like nobody can, you know what I mean? Sure. Okay. And Amber pipes up. What's wrong with elevated horror? Jordan Peele is fucking awesome. And that's very true. True. But we're talking stab movies, which are meta slasher whodunits. And also some of these fans stab is like, their favorite thing in the world, Jonathan Atkinson. The movie that made them love horror, Jonathan Atkinson. If anybody fucks with like the franchise or the way that the story go or anything and or makes them feel like it disrespects the franchise, then these fans get all up in arms. Toxic fandom. So Mindy deduces... The killer is making his own version of Stab 8, but as a requel, which means it has elements of the old, but also new stuff so that it can appease to the fans of the past. But also you bring in new characters, but they are supported by or related to legacy characters. Not quite a reboot, not quite a sequel. And it always goes back to the original. So Liv asks, well, if we're living to according to requel rules, who's next? And it has to be someone that's connected to someone that came before. So everyone turns to look at Dewey and Dewey's like, I'm starting to regret coming here, you fucking shitty teens. And Wes pipes up saying that his mom was an original character. And Mindy and Chad are like, yeah, well, we're Randy Meeks's niece and nephew, so we're fucked. Fiddle Richie chimes in. Well, maybe you're the fucking killer, Mindy. And this is all a bunch of bullshit because you're putting you're putting ideas in all of our heads. And Mindy's like, I don't know. I think it's pretty clear who the killer is. Oh. It's Sam. And this takes Sam aback. And Mindy explains that it's perfect for requel sense. This is the moment. Where yeah. it's like, this is literally a descendant of Randy being like, yeah. these are our new rules. And like, just adding to the list that anybody is a suspect. You know, we're all suspects here. Dewey gives the rules of the Stab movie. Mindy gives the rules of our movie that we are in the presence of. So Sam is, gets really pissed and she looks around the room where everybody is kind of nodding in agreement at her being the killer. And she's like, you know what? All of y'all can suck a dick. Bye. And she fucks off and leaves in her car. Over at Sheriff Judy Hicks's house, she's ordering sushi when the door creaks. She calls out to her son, Wes, but there's no response. She grabs a knife from her knife block and she starts walking slowly to where she heard the noise. She sees a door open like her like covered porch, it seems, that seems Mm -hmm. to be ajar. And she closes it and locks it. 
She turns and boo! Pero es el fucking Wes pulling out his earbuds coming home from a run. Phew, we're all safe. And she asks him, are you being safe out there? <laughs> and he says, to the point where all my friends mock me. And one out of each <laughs> pocket, he pulls a mace and a taser. And I was like, listen, you your mom's a cop, bro. dude. Yeah, and you, you live in Woodsboro. And there's another killer out there. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking, it is... 4 p.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> the sun is The bright. sun is out. The birds are chirping. So she tells Wes, she's like, I'm going to go pick up our sushi and you can go shower and we'll have dinner soon. Great. And as she leaves, he locks the door behind her. Sheriff Judy Hicks is driving when her phone rings. Hello, Sheriff Judy. Oui. Inmediatamente ella ya sabe. Even though she's like, who are, who is this? She knows that this is fucking Ghostface. Yeah. What's your favorite scary movie? I prefer animated films and musicals, which I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Judy, Judy Hicks. <laughs> it's me. I'm Judy Hicks. Not Maybe not musicals, but I was like, animated films? Yeah, absolutely. Animated <laughs> films, Eileen Clark all the way. Now I know who to be for Halloween. It's going to be Sheriff Judy Hicks. <laughs> She asks why he's doing this and Ghostface says, well, I'm calling because I'm going to turn myself in and I'm going to tell you all about it at the station about the two people that I've killed. Meanwhile, she's texting the station being like, I have the killer on the line. He ne I need a trace right now. And she says to Ghostface, she's like, but you've only killed one person. Well, by the time I see you, I'll have gutted your little boy and mom mode activate. Ooh. Yeah. That bitch blasts that siren. She punch, punches the accelerator. Fuck the sushi. And she is trying to call Wes. She hangs up on Ghostface and she's like, Wes, answer you fucking hoe. But she, he is deep in a fucking conditioning mask in his blonde hair or something. I <laughs> really appreciate the fact that this movie kind of like subverts the, what you expect to be happening the here. Like lady usually, yeah, shower. usually be like, oh, look at this lady. But this West kid who, you know, say they knew that. And you're like, wow, yeah. look at this dude in the shower. Tiny shirtless body. Yeah, I mean, he my looks gosh. pretty fit for a yeah, he's 13 a fit, year old. You know, I don't whatever. know how old he is, 17. Quien sabe? High schooler. But yeah, I was like, yeah. this is a twist. Sure. Judy gets on her car's breaker breaker one nine and she's like, call the cops. Everybody come to my house right now. Ghostface is on his way. Whatever. Ghostface calls her back. She picks up the phone and she begs him not to hurt her son. But oh, the God. voice just taunts her and taunts her. And she slams on that fucking pedal. She drives up to her house. She sprints out of that fucking car up the path to her door. Cuando stab out of the bush, Ghostface jumps out and just into the gut he stabs her Ugh. again son las doce del día and she is oh in the front of her house there is neighbors everything todo. she is screaming we're help, in public help. we're oh in public she falls backward after he stabs her and then he just gets on top of her and the stabbing they do Ooh. with judy hicks is so tough it's yeah. so fast and like oh it is gnarly yeah it's awful inside Wes is done with his shower obviously didn't hear a damn thing but he does see on his phone that his mom called and we get this long segment where they are like we are going to build up that nerves to see how you're feeling nerve mm -hmm. gagatron we're doing <laughs> nerve do it for your nerve girl 
And he's just like grabbing plates and getting stuff ready for dinner, but opening tons of doors so that when he closed mm-hmm. them, ooh, is there someone there? No hay nadie. It's a fridge door. It's a pantry door. It's a fucking closet door. Todas las doors. Y todas las doors se cierran y no hay nadie. But then Wes hears the front door open. Mom? He goes to look and the door is ajar, which remember, he locked it before. Mm-hmm. He walks right up to it, but he doesn't look outside where his mom's dead body is literally feet like centimeters away, I feel. And instead, he just closes the door and locks it, which honestly, good boy, lock your doors. He turns around and boo, it's ghost face and he slams Wes against the door. He reaches towards his taser and mace that he put in like a little plate. Like, now you need it, bud. This is the time. Pero no alcanza because they're not close enough. And Ghostface presses that knife through his neck, one inside and then pops out the other side. Bro, this knife. Ugh. Oh, it's fucked this thing. Oh my it like God. moves. He like pulls it out and you can see it like uh, going in and out. It's horrible. Uh, so gross. This, this scene is like, if you really think about this, double murder of mother and son. This is awful. 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 And just the brutality of it adds to how awful it is. I just got to say something about this actress, a Marley Shelton, who plays um, Judy Hicks. So she she's she appeared in part four and it's almost like she's in a different movie, but Mm -hmm. it still works like she brings this wonderful levity to part four. Yeah, Um, she helps, you know, save the day in the end. She's even considered a suspect because she delivers a really creepy scene in part four. Mm -hmm. And I was really sad to see her go in this movie. And so brutally, I was like, awfully in in hopes to protect her child. I was just like, damn. R.I.P. girl. Still on her drive, Sam comes across the crime scene of Wes and Judy Hicks. And he's and she steps out of her car and she sees Judy being covered by a sheet. And from a cop from the crime scene, she discovers that Wes is dead, too. From a news van, a pair of heels and a red pantsuit walks straight to Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, she's here officially. It's Mm. Gail fucking Weathers. She asks Sam if she's okay. (laughs) She asks Sam if she's okay. And Sam is just like, whoa, it's it's you. You're fucking Gail Weathers. And Gail asks her if she knew Sheriff Judy. And Sam said, yeah, but she didn't like me very much. And Gail is like, girl, same. (laughs) She also did not like me. Your lemon squares suck. Your lemon squares. Oh, no, no, no. That was your lemon squares taste like ass. That's what it was. (laughs) (laughs) But then Gail sees Dewey further away and she's like, "Okay, sorry, kid, I got to go talk to my ex-husband. So she walks right to him and is punching him in the arm and being like, you're going to tell me the fucking killer is back through a text, you piece of shit. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And that is like Mm -hmm. this the playful nature that they had. But then we have this really serious scene of them like breaking down their marriage and like he asks her if she's been writing and she's like, I don't have any time. and he says, you were always your happiest when you were writing. And uh, but then he sees behind her, her camera crew. And he's like, oh, but 
classic Gail Weathers, you gotta have your story. Yep. She's like, obviously I came because I was worried about you first, but yeah, my producers want me to cover the story. Obviously, I'm like, I'm, I'm Gail also Weathers. part of I'm here. I'm part of it. Yeah. yeah. And then she notices that he's not in uniform and he reveals that he was fired from being the sheriff. And they they like go back and forth about their failed marriage and how she had this huge opportunity to be in New York to have good morning with Gail Weathers and that he didn't make the effort to at least try to make it work while they were there. And she's like, Mm. it was two months. You didn't even last two months. And he's like, you don't need to make me feel bad about it. I already feel bad about it enough that he couldn't hack it living in New York with her and that he was a coward and left in the middle of the night. And Gail takes this in and she's like, why didn't you tell me this then? Like it would have mattered to me that you weren't happy or that something wasn't working. And she says to him, listen, you're a lot of things, Dewey, but something that you are not is a coward, which I was I, like, listen, oof. break my heart. Ooh, like, I teared up. I teared me up. Too. At this part. Yeah. I will say like this scene, I get it. The attempt here is to like honor the relationship here. Right. Um, so it feel like it felt a little forced to me, but at the same time I was swept up in it. I absolutely was. Or I totally. was like, they, we need this. In a motel room eating pizza from Pizza Hut, because you got to get that sweet, <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sweet promo. sponsor or whatever. Richie watches a YouTube program hosted by some very familiar faces. It's James A. Janice and Chelsea Rebecca from Dead Meat, but it's like a fake YouTube page. And they're breaking down the Stab 8 movie and they're like, oh, why don't they call it Stab 8? They're calling it Stab, like the original Stab, which is the same Just thing like that this movie is movie. doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Richie's phone rings and it's Sam. And she's calling to let him know that Judy and Wes were murdered when she sees one of the officers that's supposed to be guarding her sister's room in the hospital. And she runs to him and she's like, who the fuck's watching my sister? And he's like, uh, uh, sorry, I came because the sheriff got killed. And she's Dude. like, how dare you? My sister. She is uh, a fucking victim. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. think of the word. So Sam sprints to her car, Dewey follows her, and the both of them are off to the hospital. In her room, Tara watches Dawson's Creek. A lovely little shout out to Kevin Williamson, who created all these lovely characters, but also created Dawson's Creek. Classic. God, taking me back. Back in the day. (laughs) Not a little way. So she hears (laughs) something. Okay, I was going to keep going. (laughs) She hears something outside of her door, which I I rewound it. But if you listen to it closely, it is absolutely a slice and a thud. Oh, yeah. I didn't hear that. Ooh-y. Yeah, Ooh-y-y-y-y-y. I literally brought my computer up to my ears and I was like, let me just make sure. Ew. And it's totally like, slice. and I was like, so Tara is like, hello, hello. And she says, fuck this shit. I'm not going to be helloing over here. And she unplugs all the shit that she has connected to her. And she piles her little broken body. I had forgotten about her broken leg Ooh-y. until that boot comes out from underneath her sheets. And she very gingerly like plops herself on a wheelchair that's right next to her. 
And remember, her hand has been stabbed Ugh, through, 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 and she has to roll herself out of this room and just like rolling on the wheel with her hands, uh, just great. bursting open. Listen, Jenna here, there's always something in films like when a hurt character has to like move their body mm-hmm. and she really sells it. She sells the shit out of this. She said... I know that I'm going to have to run, but I'm mm-hmm. going to remember that my body is broken. Is broken. I have I've been I am stabbed fucked 17 times. Yeah. My leg is fucked. My hand has a hole in it. Like, oh, they see that. This character, Tara, they put her through the Ooh. ringer. 100%. Goddamn. She's still like, okay, I'll make it yeah. happen. Guess I'll live. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Everybody's seen this movie anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So she's rolling herself like super painfully out of the room. Cuando de repente las luces, they turn off. She keeps rolling to the door threshold. Cuando el teléfono fucking toca. When I tell you, I'll to the the ceiling. ceiling. How dare you? But she's too far away from the phone, which is on her bed. So she's like, fuck it. And she just keeps rolling out. Into the hallway, she passes a wall and she sees on the floor the guard that got his throat slit earlier when I pulled the computer up to my ear and heard him get sliced and dumped. He is absolutely dead. That throat is wide open. She moves his hand, which is over his... um, Holster. His holster, thank you. And hopefully to get a gun, no gun. She hears a noise. She's like, fuck. So she moves very painfully and slowly into another random room. She kind of closes the door a little bit, but leaves it ajar. She grabs the phone to call someone, but she hears someone coming, opening and closing doors, opening and closing doors. And then he's here and slam, phone to the head. Pero es el maldito estupido de Richie. And what the fuck are you doing here, bro? But Sam said, go see Tara. She's in trouble. She called. Y de repente está el fucking ghost face detrás de este brother. And he smashes, he slices fucking Richie's arm, smashes his head on the door, and he turns to Tara, but Tara's too quick. She grabs some hospital equipment, like a a fucking serum holder. What are they called? The (laughs) IV drip thingy. An IV drip thingy. (laughs) Serum Serum holder. (laughs) (laughs) And she slams that shit into ghost face. Like, it's topples him over enough for her to be able to roll herself out of the room. Pero she's like, again, broken body. So she is really slow. Isale el ghost face from that room, like slowly, determinedly, terrifyingly. Mm-hmm. Cuando toca el teléfono del Richie. And ghost face bends over, grabs his cell phone and turns on that fucking voice changer. It's Sam. Hello, Samantha. I wish I had it, man. Hello, Hello I can't Samantha. Do. That's not it okay. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Closer than mine is like, Hello, Samantha. Hi, Samantha. <laughs> Hello, Samantha. And she asks where Richie is and fucking Ghostface is like, he's finding out what happens to people that stick their fucking noses in places that don't belong. And Sam is begging him, please don't hurt Richie. And Ghostface is like, okay, well, then I'll give you a choice. I'll only kill one. Your sister, who is currently rolling away towards the elevator at the end of the hall, or Richie, who's knocked down on the floor behind him. Sam begs, please don't hurt either of them. Ghostface at this point 
grabs Tara's wheelchair and like dumps her onto the floor. Pero esta brother, she is determined. She is crawling la mano oh sangrando e through the bandage. And Ghostface on the phone with Sam berates her for not immediately picking her sister, but also for not picking Richie. And Sam is still like, please be begging, por favor, don't do this. And why are you doing this? And Ghostface says, well, maybe it's because you're a selfish bitch that can't make a choice to save the life of someone she loves. Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> wow. Maybe you're too weak for this franchise. And Sam answers Ghostface. Maybe you're right. Or maybe I'm just stalling for time, fuckhead. And ding, Sam and Dewey pop out of the elevator. Dewey is shooting at Ghostface. Pero, pero, pero. pero Ghostface jumps into a side room. Fucking Dewey runs to go get Richie. Sam helps Tara up. And they're all kind of trying to make their way back to the elevator. Cuando sale el fucking Ghostface de nuevo. And he pins Dewey against the wall. And Dewey shoots his gun, pero like right in the fucking ghost face's face. I'm like, bro, vos te pones sordo inmediatamente. Like, inmediatamente. a gunshot right by your ear? Goodbye. You're deaf, bitch. Pero, you know, <laughs> we don't discuss about the things that ghost face goes through. Oh like, the my two, God. The, the fucking murderer would be broken. Like, he'd be. <laughs> ghost face in all screen movies gets fucked. Up. Fucked. Plus, always Ghostface is usually very like wild and like uh -huh. fast, and and yeah. so. But like the, whoever is your Ghostface, <laughs> guaranteed to get you're gonna gonna get fucked up. You know, they get home and they're like, "Ooh, gotta go sit in my Epsom salt bath. Oof, I gotta <laughs> ice my knees." Yeah. <laughs> so after Dewey shoots his gun in front of of Ghostface's face, he pushes fucking Ghostface against the wall, and <laughs> somehow. Body flips fucking Ghostface to the ground, but that on the ground, Ghostface also body flips fucking Dewey. It's so many body flips. And Dewey's gun goes flying. So Ghostface climbs on top of Dewey, knife inches from his face, but Dewey says, not today, and headbutts fucking Ghostface. And he's able to grab his gun and bam, bam, bam. Shoots Ghostface into a glass display case, smashing glass everywhere. He runs to Richie and Sam and Tara, who are waiting by the elevator. Pero espérense. The head. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Dewey's like, you gotta shoot him in the head or else they're always gonna come back. So he lets them go. And he no. clears out his revolver and reloads it. He walks over to where Ghostface's body is lying in the glass. He points his gun and he's about to shoot when his phone rings. And that one second, that one second of distraction, stab. Ghostface gets Dewey right in the gut. Not fucking Dewey, you motherfucker. Mm. A knife still in the gut. Ghostface reaches up behind him and with another knife stabs Dewey in the back. Yes, today, he says. And he slices those knives up his body. Like, fully, he is gutting Dewey and, yeah. like, slicing his spine in the back. His phone is still ringing. Dewey looks down and he sees that it's Gale. And oh, it's the picture God. of them from his house. Ghostface comes up to him real close and says, it's an honor. And he pulls the knives out. He kicks Dewey's body down and he stands above him. 
R.I.P. Dewey. Look, the moment Dewey was at the elevator and was like, I got to go back. I was like, "Okay, this is it. I was like, Dewey's dead. And I get it. I get like why the writers, the directors were like, this is a necessary progression in our film because we need certain things to happen. And for those things to happen, Dewey needs to die. I. I'm not a big fan of this choice of murdering Dewey especially in such a horrible way. Um, but I'm like, no, you could have... I'm of the opinion that you could have come up with something a little bit more clever than murdering Dewey to get where we need to go in this film. I get it. But uh, I was just like, I don't know. It feels kind of like a cheap shot to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I agree with everything you just said, but I will say that Ghostface saying to him, it's an honor... That really, I was like, I like this. Oh, because uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I Because I was like, it's super dark. It's super fucked. Yeah. But to this like copycat killer who has, who, who the history of the, the copying he is doing, this is, this is legacy. Yeah, this is absolutely. legend that he's murdering. So like there is this. This honoring, high honor, yeah, high praise. Like, yeah. But like you think about that at the same time, you're like, it's an honor to be the one to get to kill you. Yeah. Ugh. Which is fucked. That That's part's really fucked. fucked. Yeah. But yeah. on the flip it's, side, it's like it is it's because it's Dewey that it's an honor. And I think that's nice. Outside, Gail arrives to the scene and she sees Dewey's body being rolled out in a body bag. And we've had so many of these scenes of Gail, like seeing Dewey being rolled out on a stretcher and she Oof. like goes to him and it's like, yeah, they all differ in all the movies. It's him just being like stabbed in a weird way and they like do a kiss yeah. or something or they're like, let's he get married or let's get always. Mm-hmm. So this is particularly heartbreaking to the point where uh, Sam and Richie have to hold her back. She's like sobbing a mess. Poor Gail. She sits in the hospital lobby when he united and it feels so good, <laughs> but maybe not so good. Mm. Sydney arrives. I cried. I mean, I cried too. I cried. I was like, my God, I could have watched a full half hour of this scene. This is what I fault this film the most in that I understand. I understand this is the toxic fandom in me. I get it. We're making a new film, but there are not enough moments with our gals. One hundred percent. And the moments that they do have are great, but they could have been better. Honestly, Absolutely. I was like, give me more Britney Spears. Give me, I was give just me. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, this scene, particularly, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Like, yeah. how far are we into our movie at this point? Very, very deep in our very film. Very deep in there. And I was like, I would sit here and watch Gail and Sydney talk for half an hour in this uh, hospital lobby. I would yeah. I would watch this. But and it's... they literally hug and say, you shouldn't be here. Neither should you. And that's it. And you're like, yeah. And then they cut. A fr- correct me if I'm wrong. Uh-huh. They cut to the sisters. They cut they to uh, Sam and Tara. And I was like, I get it. But I'm not going to lie to you. When I saw this the first time, I was like, 
I don't fucking care. I want to see <laughs> what Sydney and Gail are doing and what they're yeah. talking about. But again, I'm like, I understand you're switching like our focus. But this was tough for me. Yeah, I, I call me a toxic fan. I'll cl- I claim it. I claim it. <laughs> and I'm not like I didn't dislike this movie, you know, but I like I claim that I this moment I was like, OK, not, not enough. This. Not no. enough. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you said, we cut to Tara and uh, Sam in Tara's new hospital room because, again, Oopa. they are throwing that poor girl into oh a blender God. and being like, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where the sisters officially, officially reconcile. Tara explains that she was afraid of who she was and that she would turn out like her dad, Billy Loomis. And Tara reassures her that she would never be like him like that's not she wouldn't ever be like her and tara asks what they should do now and sam says well we're gonna get the fuck out of woodsboro Great. so sam rolls tara out of the hospital but sydney who's there still in the lobby stops them and richie takes tara to the car while sydney tries to reason with sam who is determined to leave y la sydney Ella sabe. Ella es la, like, she's got a PhD in this shit. Girl. She knows that running away is not going to work. You have to face this shit head on. And as they're walking out of the hospital, Sam gets all defensive and she's like, what do you want from me, lady? And Gail, who's followed them out, is like, watch your tone, new girl, which I was like, bitch. Yes. Now. We were all thinking it. We were all thinking it. When I tell you my eyes were like, I could not have rolled them further back into my head when she turned around and said, what do you want from me, lady? I was like, mira, chavala, a mí no me estés hablando así. No, have some respect. I am Sydney motherfucking Prescott, bitch. Yeah, yeah. This, This whole scene here, I was like, Sam, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, because like when Sydney first sees her, Sam is like, hey, I'm Billy Loomis's daughter. Is that weird for you or something? And I was like, excuse me, excuse me. How about we not talk to Sydney Prescott like this? I don't understand (laughs) this choice of I also didn't understand like Like, defensive and like, yeah, she literally says, I'm sorry if what uh, like what's happened to me has ruined your lives. But she says it in this like. I'm sorry. Excuse me? I'm sorry. That's not an you apology. You sure don't seem sorry. Yeah, yeah. This was really very... And I don't think that it's specifically because I'm such a fan of the originals. Of course, I was like, you know, have some respect. But at the same time, I was like, why are we making Sam act like this right now? I don't understand yeah. this choice. Okay, it's, whatever. It's Here we very, are. It's very weird. Yeah. And Sydney is like, look, I just need your help. I just want to kill this fucking bastard, okay? He killed your friends. He killed my friend. I have kids now. So, bitch, this guy needs to fucking die. Mm -hmm. And Sam is like, so you want me to join you to commit murder? Okay. And it's like, bitch, did you not remember the two times your sister just got attacked by the fucking ghost face killer? And you're like, no. Why does this seem so far-fetched to you right now? And if you think you're not going to be followed, like, girl, you know, this is about you. Este brother te va a seguir. It doesn't matter Yota. where you fucking go, yeah. you fucking idiot. 
Ooh, I it was get, very I get the thing. This is frustrating. I get the thing of being like, we're going to get the fuck out of town. Sure. Pero amor, you really think that's your answer here? No. No seas mula, no seas testaruda. Don't think you're smarter. Which she is being. Absolutely. It's so frustrating. And and then she says, the the sorry I ruined your lives, but I need to take care of my sister. This is not going to be part of my story. Girl. It already uh, is. When, yeah. It's been your story. You're yeah, Billy Loomis's kid, dude. Mm-hmm. It's your story. Sydney's right. You got to face it. Just got to face it, honey. And also, why wouldn't you take these survivors fucking word for it? Not like one time survivors. Like we're talking several, several times. times over. <laughs> anyway, Sam gets in her car and drives away. And Sydney, who is, again, a professional at this. She's like, doesn't fucking matter. I put a tracker in her car. We're fucking following her. So let's fucking go. In the car, Tara is searching for her inhaler. Pero brother, no está. Where is that inhaler? But don't mm. worry. She's got an extra one over at Amber's house, which is on the way to Modesto, which is where these fuckers are going. So they're mm. like, why not? Let's stop over at Amber's and uh, and pick up that inhaler. And you know what? Amber is having herself a party. P-A-R-T-Y. Because we have to. Okay. (laughs) And uh, it's meant to be a memorial for Wes. Mm -hmm. And everybody's pouring shots. And there is a very sweet, lovely moment where everybody lifts their shot glass and says to Wes, which I was like, of course, you got it. It's a sweet homage. Yeah. It's nice. It's very nice. And, you know, the house is filled with kids and everybody's doing their thing, having a fun time. And Mindy lets Amber know, hey, listen, we're low on beer. So Amber's like, no worries. I'll head down to the basement to get some more. At the basement fridge, Amber grabs two beers. I'm like, low on beers and you're grabbing two? Two. Cool. Cool. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Here we are. (laughs) And she shuts the door. They, They love the door scare in this. Yes. In this one particularly, I know it's happened in like in a bunch of the screen movies, but this one in particular, I was like, oh, you are using this Eh. a lot. Pura puerta. Pura puerta. (laughs) Yeah. So she shuts the refrigerator door and boo. Pero es la Mindy. And Mindy is like, this was a test. You can't just go off with on your own when there's a mass killer around. And Amber's like, oh, yeah. And Mindy says, you should have asked me to come with you to get the beer because we need to go in, in groups. Hello. And Amber bites back and she's like, yeah, but you know what you shouldn't do when there's a fucking creepy killer around is follow somebody down to a creepy basement alone. And Amber says, how do you know I'm not the killer? And Mindy leans in and says, because I am. LOL, JK, JK, psych. JK, JK. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. But take this lesson because you can't trust anyone. Upstairs at the supposed memorial, Chad and Liv are making out and she ready. She is like, oh, I am. My basement is flooded and it's time to have some sex. And uh, there she's like, let's go upstairs. And Chad is like, mm, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that because I'm not really sure if you're the killer or not, which I was like, Chad, I respect the hell out of you. Me too, honestly. And Liv is pissed as hell. Oh, oh, she gets mad. She's like, I'm fucking out of here. She leaves. And honestly, Chad is like, I understand your reaction. This is a very, I get it. I know that you're mad and I totally get it, but I'm not going to risk my life for some pussy right now, dude. I'm trying to live. 
Yeah, so, I'm not going upstairs with you. Smart. Yeah. Nah, uh, uh. And I was like, Chad, this is the kind of action we need to be having when a murderer is around. On the TV at this party, Stab is playing. And it's the scene where Randy Meeks explains the rules of horror movies. And Mindy sits watching her uncle, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but it's an actor playing her uncle on the couch. It's all very similar to the actual movie Scream. It's the couch, the way she's sitting. And Chad is there texting Liv to make sure that she's okay, but she's not answering. So he decides he's going to go look for her, which Mindy opposes because she might be dead. And Chad is like, can you calm down with your fucking dark fucking shit? Like, she's just like, your girl was dead. Uh I was like, after Chad had said that, I was like. Agreed. Not the time to go outside yeah. in the dark looking for somebody. Absolutely. Mindy is right. But also like. Don't say your girlfriend's dead. You right. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> Jeez. Pero Chad le vale verga and he goes out anyway. But not before grabbing a huge candlestick. Clue. <laughs> yeah. And then Chad gets a text from Liv saying, come and find me and make it up to me with a link from the tracking app, Find My Fam. From the very beginning, remember? Chad. 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 You idiot. Chad. What are you do- This, uh, look, I know this is a horror movie, but screen movies are supposed to be smarter than your average mm-hmm. horror movie. I was like, nobody would do this. Not yeah. for a moment. Would you open up, oh, Liv finally wanted to use the Find My Whatever the f- app, and now I'm going to go chase her out in the dark? Never for a second of a moment. That the killer also is just cloning phones left and right? Like, bro. Sir, this never would happen. And if it did, Chad. 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 (laughs) Oh, my God. So he clicks on it anyways because he's a fucking idiot and starts walking (laughs) towards the red light that Liv is supposed to be at. Uh And the phone beeps. The beep quickens as he gets closer to Liv. Aliens. But yeah, but the bushes are silent and Chad is like, "Mm, I don't know. Something feels weird about this. I don't know about all this. And he decides, you know what? I'm going to get the fuck out of here. So he turns to leave, but a boo ghost face is there and he's about to stab him. But Chad like punches his arm a certain way, which pushes ghost face hand down and he stabs him in the inner thigh or Uh. penis. Oh, I think it was the, yeah, I think it was the thigh. I, think I don't think thigh. it was the penis, yeah. But it was definitely below the leg, so you're like, penis? Pero, bien sabe. <laughs> penis! <laughs> he screams, pero he's got that candlestick, so he smashes it and goes face his face, pushing him through the bush, and then this fucking guy, Chad, just is like, I'm limp running the fuck away from here, behind a shed. Behind pero, a shed? Behind a shed, bro. Come on, <laughs> Chad. Chad. Chad, these choices, these choices. <laughs> E, his phone is still connected to this tracker, so it's beeping. He still keeps beeping, and he knows now that Ghostface is attached to it and not live. So he tries to cancel the tracking, pero sus manos están llenas de sangre. And he chucks his phone into the fucking bush, and he's like, okay, I need to get the fuck out of here. He peeks around the corner of the shed and says, fuck it, I'm going to run. Pero está 
perdiendo un montón de sangre. His blood, like, on his thigh. Mm. That's, like, artery, artery. central, yeah. dude. Entonces, yeah. his blood is rushing out. He's trying to run, pero he's kind of woozy. And as he's trying to run, detrás de él, the doors of the shed burst open y viene el ghost face. Classic arms outspread with the fucking yeah. sleeves like the, yeah, swinging the wings, around. whatever. Not wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The wing. <laughs> And Ghostface gra- comes up to him, stabs him in the back. Chad falls, uh, and then this one too. Like he does, ooh. the fast stabs are terrifying. And He's like, like it's like yeah, in the like, side to the side, Ugh, and like repeatedly. Yeah, horror, horrible. Uy, qué horror. Name of our podcast. But some car headlights appear, and they kind of like spook Ghostface. So he runs away, leaving Chad bleeding on the ground. The car headlights that we saw were Richie and Sam and and Tara arriving. They all head inside the party house to grab this inhaler. And inside, all of Tara's friends are like, holy shit, Tara's here. You can't believe it. And and Tara's got crutches because, remember, her leg's broken. Her hands are open. The girl is fucked. (laughs) She is fucked. She's a mess. She's also, she looks like she's like four feet tall. Like the the four... Teeny tiny thing. thing. Oh my god! (laughs) Amber comes out of the crowd and she's like, "What are you doing here? I thought you like what the fuck." And Tara's like, "I need my spare inhaler." And Amber's like, "Oh my god, are you okay? But where are you going?" And Tara turns to look at Sam, who shakes her head. And Amber kind of sees this and she's like, "You know what? It's fine. I just want you to be safe. You don't have to tell me where you're going." So Amber shuts down the party. Everybody, get out of here. The party's over. But todos los teens in this party are like, but I'm a teen at a party. I don't want to fucking go anywhere. So Richie turns on all the lights and he's like, hey there. Hey, Gen Z. It's me, an adult. Can you please get the fuck an out of here? An adult who's like 22. Like, I know, exactly. <laughs> uh, and t- uh, he's like, Tara and Sam are two people being targeted by a killer and they are here right now. So if you don't want to get fucking targeted by a murderer, maybe y'all should leave. And all the teens are like, OK, cool. Bye. Piling out. Over at the couch, Mindy is having a lovely lady makeout moment oh, with a friend. Love. Uh, when <laughs> some kid comes in saying, Someone's goofy ass dad is kicking us out. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> The fact that he said it was a goofy ass dad, it made me laugh so hard. <laughs> so her makeout friend leaves, but Mindy stays behind and she keeps watching Stab on the TV. The teens are all gone. Richie asks Mindy, hey, is there any more beer? Because it's all out up here. And she's like, yeah, in the basement. Oh, do you want to come with me? Ha <laughs> ha, no, I do not. But you were right to ask because obviously she's a rule uh-huh. follower. And Richie says, okay, I'll be right back. Oh, oh wait a no, second. I... Oh, nope. <laughs> wait a second. Don't say that. <laughs> but he goes to the basement anyways. De repente entra la live and she sits on the couch and she's like, my Uber canceled and I'm I'm not going to have sex tonight and whatever. And Mindy's like, OK, but where's my brother? He went Where'd looking you for come you from. And Mindy's like, I'm suspicious of this, this gal now. Mm-hmm. In their car, Sydney and Gail see that Sam and all of them have stopped somewhere. But it's not just anywhere. Sydney immediately calls Sam, who answers the phone 
over where she's at, at at Amber's house. You need to get out of that house right now. You're in Stu Mocker's house. Someone planned this to get you there. You need to get the fuck out. And we get this pan around Sam of the infamous staircase. And now that the lights are all on, you kind of can see the house again. And then the camera also pans out of the door and we see the outside of Stu Mocker's mm-hmm. house. And like at first when you see Mindy on the couch and how it's mirroring Randy Meeks, you're like, this looks very familiar. But mm-hmm. there's enough changes there where you're like, it's not exactly the place. But now you're like, oh. This was also spoiled for me by the trailer where this was supposed to feel like a big reveal. And I was like, I know they're in Stu's house. I knew. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he was like, I had seen it already. That's that house is so iconic. And like, it's just very it has a very specific look that I was like, even in the trailer, I was like, oh, they're at Stu's house. So un- unfortunately, this grand reveal that is it is built to feel like a big reveal. I was like. I know, which was kind of a bummer. Maybe you just have an eagle eye because I remember watching it in Mm -hmm. like when I watched it, I was like, except for the part where Mindy was on the couch, I was like, oh, they they've angled this to make it kind of look familiar. But not until that part, I was like, oh, shit, Mm -hmm. the staircase. I'm glad that it was. Yeah, uh, more because I'm I'm hoping that like for people, it was an actual reveal because that it's that's what it's supposed to be. So we're back to Mindy on the couch and she's watching the infamous look behind you, Jamie scene. But she says, no, Randy, look behind you. And then us as the audience say, no, Mindy, you look behind (laughs) you because here comes Ghostface behind her. And we love to go deep into meta holes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And just as Ghostface, we are meta as hell right now. And just as Ghostface raises his knife and Mindy says one last Look behind you. She follows her own advice and looks behind her just in time. But then we cut to the other room where Sam is and she hears Mindy scream. So she runs over to Mindy and she sees her being attacked by Ghostface. Sam grabs a lamp, chucks it at Ghostface, who fumbles away. He kind of is just like, oh, and goes. (laughs) So Sam kneels down to Mindy, helping her with all the blood, but Mindy has lost a lot of it and she faints just as Amber and Tara come back down and Amber screams and she's like, oh, my God, what did you do to fucking Mindy? And Sam was like, no, I didn't do anything, but it'll crash from behind them. Richie drops a beer bottle. Where have you been, you fucking prick? Entra la live. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's a mess. Her hands are covered in blood. And oh now God. everybody is in the room and everyone is a suspect. Amber says, I was with Tara, but I know that one of you is the fucking killer. And Liv says that the blood in her hands is from Chad because she found him outside. Mm-hmm. But everyone is like, no, you got blood. Where did you come from? Liv, it's you. You're the killer, Liv. Liv, it's you. And Liv is like, fuck you, Amber. I'm not the fucking killer. And Amber says, I know. And blam, shoots Liv right in the fucking head, killing Whoa. her. And she turns to look at Sam and says, welcome to act three. Boom. Here we are. Act three. Amber is about to shoot at Richie and Sam, but Tara pushes her just in time as Richie and Sam run to the kitchen. Sam grabs a knife and they run downstairs to the basement. 
But when they're down there, Sam can hear Tara and um and Amber tussling upstairs. So she tries to go back, but Richie stops her, and he's like, "There are always two killers." Mm-hmm. Y de repente, la Sam is like, "Esperate, esperate, esperate," and she points her knife at Richie, and he says, "Not me, I uh, not me, not killer, but mm-hmm. I do think that Tara is the other killer." She was the one that brought us here. She, You are the ones that have been estranged for five years. How well do you really know your sister? And Sam is like, I know her better than you. And she runs past him up the stairs. Now, okay, uh-huh. I uh-huh. do. I will be the first to admit that like in the car with T- Tara uh, looking uh, looking through her bag. I'll be like, my inhaler, I was like, I, this, I not, I'm not feeling this. But we also have to remind ourselves this broken ass body <laughs> chasing after people, stabbing people. I was like, yeah. Mm, okay. Are you going to tell me that whole opening act that we saw was faked? That none, and I was yeah. like, as fishy as like I thought some of it was, I was like, no, this just doesn't work. I do need to give just a moment of credit to my husband, Matthew, right here, because when we saw this movie in the movie theaters, literally the moment Amber appeared in that scene where the teens are all talking north toward the top, he turns to me and he goes, it's her. And I was like, what? <laughs> shut up. Shut up. And then I was like, once once the re- the reveal was made, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, yeah, good job. It was her. It was her. <laughs> way way to go. Way to way to be an eagle eye. <laughs> I didn't see it, but you know, fine, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Outside, Cindy and Gail arrive, and Sydney pulls out two fucking guns from her trunk that are in like a case and everything. I'm like, hell yeah, dude! And she gives one to Gail, and they hear a scream. Sounds about right, Gail says. <laughs> yeah, like, right. yes. <laughs> and they start to head in when Amber stumbles out crying, help me, help me, he stabbed me. Sydney turns to Gail. What do you think? And Gail <laughs> says, trap. <laughs> and like clockwork, Amber pulls out a gun and shoots Gail in the fucking stomach. And Sydney shoots back but misses as Amber runs back into the house. And she goes to check on Gail and she's like, girl, you need to go to the fucking hospital. But Gail's like, no, we need to finish this. You need to do this. Do it for Dewey. So Mm. Sydney's like, okay, dude. And she stands up and she looks at that trauma-filled house of her past and goes inside. Okay. She's got that gun outstretched. That bitch is a cop, dude. She is checking all these rooms, gun drawn. She is letting everyone know. She's like, if you're a killer or anybody in here, if you are hiding, I am giving you five seconds to show yourself. And she just starts shooting at doors and kicking them in. Bitch. Shooting. I'm not If you're hiding behind a door, you're getting shot, bitch. I told you. You heard me. Come out. I gave you the warning. Yeah. Yep. She hears a noise upstairs. We see upstairs that it's Sam looking for Tara and she finds her in a closet tied and gagged with like duct tape. And mm. she's about to cut her ties. Cuando she hesitates because Richie got into her head. Back downstairs, Sydney's phone rings. Hello, Sydney. And she asks, where'd you go? Thinking that it was Amber. But Ghostface says, haha, I'm not Amber. I'm the other one. It's two killers again. And Sydney says, I've seen this movie before. (laughs) All the while, she's going up the stairs and still shooting at every door, kicking it in. 
And she's like, this movie is derivative, dude. You come fucking come to the same house. Fucking lame. She's literally shitting all over this fucking movie. She's like, Love. boo, done it before. <laughs> You're lame. And Ghostface says, ah, yes, but you forgot the number one rule in a stab movie. Never answer the. And Sydney cuts him off and says, I'm bored and shoots I at the door. I mean, love this. I Hangs mean. up on Ghost. Why would you stay on the phone with him? No, I'm bored. I've I'm heard it bored. all before, You're bitch. You're boring me, you are, bitch. I've seen it. I love this so much. Hang the phone yes. up. Yes. I'm bored, shoots the door, hears a sound behind the door. She has just shot Richie in the fucking leg. Great. And she's like, I told you to come out. And he's like, I'm not going to come out. You're shooting at everything and anything. And she's like, you're a stupid idiot. Cuando de repente sale el fucking ghost face right next to her. Pero Sydney reflexes of steel. She fucking punches him and slams him. And then she throws him off the railing of the stairs, but she gets caught up somehow and falls over also onto the first floor. Her gun flies off. The wind is knocked out of her and also Ghostface. The two of them are like, like barely breathing. Richie starts tumbling down the stairs, but because he got shot in the leg by fucking Sydney and he's. Like everybody's crawling towards this gun. Y de repente entra la Sam and she grabs the gun. Immediately, Sydney says, Shoot him. Listen to the legacy, Do you it. bitch. Shoot Do him. It. Y bajando la escalera, Richie's like, Yes, yes, yes. And he gets right next to Sam at the bottom of the stairs and he says, Thank God you're okay. E stab. Richie stabs Sam in the gut and he says, because I really wanted to be the one to kill you. And he twists the knife Ugh. inside of her. Sydney starts to stand and he says, I, when I tell you my eyes rolled so hard at this line, he goes, sit the fuck down, Prescott. And I was like, uh, don't call me Prescott. The, exactly. Who, who are you? No, don't call me Prescott. Don't call me Prescott. You bitch. I don't think so. Amber takes off her scream hood, her scream, her, her ghost face hood, <laughs> and Richie throws the gun at her. She grabs Sydney by the hair and puts the gun to her face. Richie turns to Sam, who still has the fucking Ugh. knife in her, and he says, yeah, I know. It's a bummer. It's me. Which, so meta, because you're like, yeah, what a fucking bummer that it's this fucking guy. That it's, it's literally the Billy Loomis storyline. All over, All over again. again. Yeah. He pulls out the voice changer and he says, but it really was the best choice for the movie. Sam says, this isn't a fucking movie, you bitch. Which Richie explains, no, no, it's not, but it will be. And this is where we get the plan reveal, basically. So Richie mm. and Amber have been in cahoots this whole time. And he says, someone has to save the franchise. The only good stab movie was the first one. And Richie tells Amber while he's having his diatribe to go get Gail outside so she can hear this uh, beautiful monologue oh. he's going to give now, too. So Richie goes up to Sydney and he says, listen, I'm a big fan, but nobody takes the true fans seriously. They laugh at us because we love something. How can fandom be toxic if it's about love? Uh, 
Hollywood ran out. <laughs> I'm so frustrated by him. Hollywood ran out of ideas, so we're giving them new source material. We're going back to the basics based on actual events. So Sam asks him if he made all this up so that she could be the hero in his fucked up movie. And he's like, honey, you're not the hero. You're the villain. The daughter of Billy Loomis, who sees him in visions. Sydney killed your dad. And so she had to bring you back to fucking Woodsboro, Sydney. And Amber, who's now back in the kitchen with Gail, she says to Sydney that the bad thing about the stab movies is there's no Michael Myers or Jason to just keep coming back and back. But having the illegitimate daughter of the original killer mastermind. Now that's a fucking villain. But how did Amber know about Billy Loomis being her dad? And she's like, it's a small town and your mom's a drunk, which I was like, mom's a drunk. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess in the very oh, beginning, she was part of group. group. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't catch that. OK. So it turns out that Amber met Richie on a set on a stab subreddit. And she's been obsessed with the whole thing since her parents bought the Stu Mocker's house. And Richie says to Sam that it wasn't really hard to find her in Modesto. And it wasn't that hard to fuck you either. And I was like, ew, gross. And Amber explains, it wouldn't work with just Sam. You have to have the legacy characters. Because you can't have Halloween without Jamie Lee. And our movie actually has fucking stakes. Anyone can die in the requel. And this whole time, Sydney's been eyeing this like knife that's on the counter, mm -hmm. which she finally lunges for. But Amber is too fast and stabs Sydney in the fucking gut. Ugh. Richie comes close to her and says, this time the fans are going to be the ones who win. So you have to die. And he tells Amber to go get Tara out of the closet upstairs. <laughs> Your face. I just, I like the more, I'm sorry. The more <laughs> like it's revealed, like him being like, this time the fans get what they want by Sydney dying. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? We never about? want that. No. I as a fan, I'd never want her to die. This is Absolutely. a survivor. Don't you dare yeah. kill Sydney exactly. Prescott. But honestly, the more you're going through this, like, this motive reveal i'm like okay so amber's just some like small town girl who loves the stab films who all of a sudden starts murdering people because she meets a guy she likes on reddit i'm just like yeah. what like i get it sure there is the whole like you know brainwashing kind of thing going maybe going on here that i'm like maybe but it's just, it's not enough for me. I get yeah. what you're trying to say. Like, literally the fans you're talking about, the, the writers, the directors, are are us. That yeah. is me. That is me who they're talking about. And you're you're right. You cannot please the fans. You can't. Absolutely not. But I will not lie that I was like, I am disappointed by uh -huh. this reveal. I wanted it to be bigger. I wanted it to be something more shocking. This was just like, meh, it's fine. Totally. So Richie tells Amber to go upstairs to get Tara out of the closet and let's start staging the bodies. And he says, you really should have listened to Dewey. He got it right in one. Never trust mm -hmm. the love interest. And he turns to Sam and says, I even convinced you that your sister was the killer. But from upstairs, Amber says, Tara's not in the closet. 
and Sam looks up at Richie and says, I untied her. And the phone rings, making Richie jump, which I was like, I like that he jumped. I like that he got scared. And Sam says, that's for you. Mm-hmm. He yells at Amber to fan out because she couldn't have gotten far, which honestly, it's very true. That fucking broken kid. Oh, come on. <laughs> and as Amber is coming down the hall being like, I can't find her anywhere. Bam. Tara smashes her crutches Ooh. right in Amber's face. You don't want to fuck with those things. Those steel things, they'll fuck you up. Also, bro. don't fuck with Tara because this broken ass <laughs> body is beating the shit out of Amber. It's Absolutely. amazing. Beats the shit out of her with her crutch. It's so great. And Richie hears this and he gets distracted a little enough for Sam to lunge, push his gun away, which he shoots in the air, but it doesn't work. She lands on top of him. They struggle over the gun. She bites at his arm and he like freaks out. And so she gets to run off. Over at the Amber and Tara tussle, Amber gets up and she tosses poor Tara's busted ass over the couch. And then she runs into the kitchen where Sydney grabs her, smashes her to the floor, sending the gun that she has in her hand flying. Amber gets up and grabs a knife from the counter, but Gail comes up behind her and pulls her hair while Sydney gets a random glass bottle of hand sanitizer and smashes it. I mean, very fancy (laughs) and smashes it in Amber's face. They push her into like a corner and Amber's like, please, please, please. No, no, no. It's not my fault. And Sydney's like, let me guess. The movies made you do it. And she's like, no, it was the message boards. I was radicalized. I'm just a dumb kid that wanted to be a part of something. But Gail is ready to kill somebody. And she's like, you killed my fucking best friend, you dumb whore. And Amber, true maniac, turns in a dime and she's like, yeah, and he died like a pussy, too. And Gail punches that hoe right in the face. Deserved. Hell yeah. Pero la Amber, again, she's a, this, uh, talk about a psychopath. She digs her hand into Gail's gun wound in her stomach. Pero Sydney grabs Amber from behind. Y la Amber pushes back on fucking... Uh, Sydney and she smashes her onto the kitchen counter behind, knocking Sydney out. Amber climbs on top of Gail and starts to choke her. I was the last thing Dewey saw before he died. I can't believe I get to do you both. And Gail looks over at Sydney as Amber says, Time to pass the torch. And Gail grabs the back of her head and says, It's all yours, bitch, and headbutt. Right in the head, (laughs) sanding Amber flying over to the stove, accidentally turning on one of the fucking uh, fuegos there. Burners. (laughs) (laughs) Sydney says to Gail, this one's all yours and gives her the gun. And Gail shoots Amber three times, flinging her body over onto the open flame. And immediately she goes ablaze because she's covered in alcohol hand sanitizer. Yeah. Thank God for this <laughs> this uh double like team up of Sydney and Gail here getting rid of Amber because w- at the top of this whole going into Stu's house where Sydney and Gail are outside and Gail gets shot like so quickly, I was so disappointed. I was livid. I'm like, "Wait, what about fucking Gail?" So yeah. thank God they at least give us this portion of the film to see them like fighting together. Amber screams as she's fucking burning up. I'm burning up. And then <laughs> as they as fucking Sydney and Gail stand over her fucking torching body, Gail says, enjoy that torch. 
and Gail and Sydney watch her burn. Upstairs, Sam attacks Richie, climbing on his back, but he slams her on the wall and he says, stop fucking up my ending. And I was like, you whiny bitch. Oh, my God. She falls off him and starts to head downstairs, but he kind of falls on her and they tumble down the stairs together. So she tries to crawl to the front door as Richie's monologuing about, oh, what are you going to do now? Make a scary phone call. Monologuing. (laughs) He does. That guy monologues a shit ton. And he's like, what are you going to do? Make a scary phone call, pop out with your ghost face mask. But she looks up to the mirror and she sees her ghost dad, Billy Loomis, who points with his eyes at something shiny under a curtain. So Sam grabs at it as Richie says, she's the villain and the villain always dies at the end. That's the rule. And Sam says, well, I'm introducing a new rule. As she grabs the shiny handle, Richie flips her over and she says, never fuck with the daughter of a serial killer and stab through the cheeks. That was good. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Yeah. And then fucking Sam goes ham, dude. Whoa. Bro, the stabbing she does on fucking Richie, it's like insane oh she is, my god that switch was switched in that moment yeah yeah and she is like stab 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 it's awful and she stops for a quick second and pitifully richie says well, what about my ending and she leans close to him here it comes and she slices his throat i loved that this was a great kill here i mean i know this is horrible but like just to see her kind of like switch on a dime and after having seen like the horrible horrible things that ghostface has done to see uh la 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 melissa fucking like go to town on this guy yeah was honestly kind of rewarding absolutely awful to watch but i was just like well kill him you you deserve this. Yeah, you get sir, to do this, and, girl. Know, and we, they really show you everything that's happening. And she, like, Sam... She looks great doing it. <laughs> I mean, nails this part. This part is great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Sam stands over him, grabs the blade, and wipes it. A la ghost face. Beautiful. Gail and Sydney come in as Sam drops the knife and Sydney says, careful, they always come back. Mm -hmm. But Sam grabs the gun in Gail's hand and shoots him three times, the last one in the head. Pero de repente a scream and from the kitchen, fucking Amber's burnt ass comes in (laughs) fucking flailing a knife. Pero blam! Her brains are blown out from the side because Tara is standing there with the gun. And she says, I still prefer the Baba Duke, mm-hmm. which I don't know if I love that line for, as like a final like thing. But I was like, sure, why not? Uh, fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. The ambulances are here taking people away and we see Mindy is all right. But so is Chad. The, the meek siblings are alive and well. It. And that's nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. Tara asks the EMTs, she's like, can you guys take us to a different hospital? Which I was like, yeah, girl, please, (laughs) somewhere else, please. Sam goes over to Gail and Sydney and thanks them for everything and asks if Sydney will be okay. And Sydney says she'll survive. She always does. 
And Gail says at least she knows that what she's going to write about now may be something about a good man who was the sheriff here once. And then Sam asks if she's going to be okay. Like this new, now traumatized by this ghost face storyline. And Sydney assures her, eventually. I liked that. Me too. I really it's not like, like that. It's not like, yeah, you'll be okay. No, it's like, I'm not guaranteeing point, it to no. you. Not it's, now. It might take a not lot for of time. a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sam walks away, and in the reflection of a car window, we see her ghost dad. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Sure. What's up? Are we forgiving Billy Loomis now? Yeah, but this is the thing here where I was like, what are we trying to what say? What is this meant to because, be? Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but he even is kind of like smirking, just like. He, he might as well have been you like, did good, good job, hun. girl. Yeah, and it's like. That's my girl. <laughs> you did it. Like, uh, I I did good by being a psycho yeah, killer. I'm a I, good dad. <laughs> you did a great job stabbing that man to death, honey. You did daddy proud, honey. Yeah, and it's like, lest we forget, he's this a motherfucker started this whole shit. Like, this is why we're here. Yeah. And it feels oddly... Like you're saying, where we're like forgiving him for not forgiving for, that. That's that doesn't feel like the right word, but we're like, it's almost like we're like he wasn't such a bad guy, you know? And, exactly. And it's just like no, that's not and, the case. And here's the thing, and let's let's not forget that it's not even his first murder wasn't even the west the the what is this town called Westboro? Uh, well, uh, Woodsboro, Woodsboro. Yeah, Woods, it's not even the Woodsboro murders. His first murder was. Fucking Sydney's mom was Maureen Prescott. Yes. And it's just, oh, and I know like it gets involved in part three where Roman Bridger was connected with like, sure, the whole yeah, all thing. That stuff. But I'm like, it feels weird to kind yeah. of be honoring Billy Loomis. Like, I get yeah. it. We're trying to like honor our legacy characters, but I'm like, y'all, that man was a brutal, sadistic killer of. Of many people this that were close feels, to him, that yeah. were his friends, yeah. quote unquote, his quote unquote friends. <laughs> so it fucking feels weird here. It like does. I passed the torch to my now murderous daughter. Yeah, yay! Uh, One very big happy odd. family. <laughs> what? Okay. Sam climbs into the ambulance with her sister Tara. As we pan out from Stu Mocker's house, a reporter stands in front and says, 25 years ago, almost to the day, in this very house, a tragic story ended. And tonight, a new chapter comes to a close. An intertitle appears for Wes. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> oh, huh. <laughs> That's so silly. No, it's not silly. <laughs> a flash of ghost face appears. Wiping his blade. Fin de la película. Nicely done. Wow. Let's get into some trivia. Yes. All right, everybody. This is my trivia for today. Let's talk about Melissa Barrera. So Melissa Barrera Martinez was born July 4th of 1990. <gasps> Cancer. 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 She's a Mexican actress. She was born and raised in Monterrey, Mexico, and she studied musical theater at uh, New York University Tisch School of the Arts. Wow. Hey. Excuse me. Very nice. 
So she attended the American School Foundation of Monterrey, where she appeared in the school's musical productions, including Grease, Aida, and Footloose. Her oh. television debut was on the Mexican reality show La Academia in 2011, where she showed off her talent for singing. In 2013, she was part of the duet Melissa y Sebastián, with whom she recorded her first album and had her first top 10 radio hit with their debut single, Mama Maria, a cover of Richie e Poveris. What? Richie? <laughs> Richie e Poveris. Yeah, that's what it is. Richie yeah. e Poveris song from the 19... 19- <laughs> From the 1980s. I don't know why that Whoa. felt so weird in my mouth. Okay. Richie Epoveri. Richie Epoveri. Okay. So I found this article from latina.com. The article is called The Many Faces of Melissa Barrera. It was written by Alisa Lopez Cerfoso. The Mexican actress stands at the helm of a cast that also includes American actress Jenna Ortega of Mexican and Puerto Rican descent. By the way, we talked about Jenna Ortega in our X episode. So yeah. please listen to that, that episode. Great movie. We loved it. Great episode, if Great I may episode. say so myself. We and had we so talked much a lot fun. about her. We sure did. Yeah. Amidst the returning and veteran actors of the film, Barrera and Ortega are the first and only Latinas to star in the Scream universe. Mm. Which I'm like, is that tr- how can this be true after so many movies? But it seems that it is true. Yeah. Barrera didn't hesitate to underscore the broader significance of her unprecedented casting. She says, as a Latina, as a Mexicana, joining Scream means so much because I know that we as a community have always supported this franchise. I know how big it is in Mexico and we have never seen ourselves represented in the saga. Nice. Over the, I mean, right? Yeah, incredible. Over the past 25 years, the franchise has released three additional films that have reached a collective box office total of $603 million. Damn. That's a lot of money, everybody. Mm-hmm. As Barrera suggested, Latinos do indeed make up a large portion of the Scream audience and have demonstrated an enormous appreciation for the genre of horror in general. In recent years, several studies have revealed that Latino audiences in the U.S. dominate the genre's movie-watching demographic. For example, a Nielsen report from 2015 found that horror fans are 23% more likely to be Hispanic than the average consumer— Moreover, a 2020 UCLA report found that the genre comprised 40% of the top 10 films Latinos watched in 2018 and half of the top 10 films in 2019. You mentioned this yeah. in one of our episodes, but like back, back in, in the, the day. day, I can't remember which movie it was specifically. I think it may have been Paranormal Activity 5. <gasps> I think you're right. I think that's where I talk about it. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So the article continues, yet across the board, Latinx actors rarely secure lead or even speaking roles in Hollywood, especially in this macabre genre. For this reason, Mm. Barrera understands why her role in Scream is revolutionary. She says, I'm so excited to represent us in a title that is known worldwide. Latinos deserve to be leading franchises as well. I love this. Hell yeah, girl. We love to hear it. I also found an article about Melissa at Remezcla.com. This was written by Lyra Hale. And it just talked about the first time that Melissa met Nev Campbell. And she says, I think back on how I felt the day I met her. 
Barrera recounted. She got boost bumps, goose bumps <laughs> because she was so nervous. And uh, she was like, she's such a huge fan. Duh, she's Sydney Prescott, huge. And she said it felt insane to be standing in front of someone she's admired for so long. Apparently, mm-hmm. Nev Campbell was the nicest person in the world. She's so sweet and so generous, says Barrera. And she was so excited to be back. And it was just a dream come true. I learned so much from her and she was so welcoming to me. I love that. Yeah, pretty incredible. Last little thing that she said here, which we've kind of talked about a bit, but they kind of talk about like Encanto, West Side Story, In the Heights. But those are specifically like Latin focus projects. And so the this particular article continues. What's important is for us as people to be in projects where we don't have to justify our presence or wave a flag. Absolutely. Barrera says here, it makes me so happy to be advancing in the right direction, to be in projects that are also not labeled as specifically Latinx, because it's so easy for us to just be like, oh, that's the Latinx movie. That's that. And they just give us those opportunities. So it means so much to me to be specifically in this role in this franchise where there hasn't ever been Latin representation. Very important. Truly. Love that she said that. So... That just really spoke to me. That is my trivia for today. I love it. I don't have a lot, but I thought we should honor the man, the myth, the legend. Let's talk about Wes Craven. Hell yeah. From the HollywoodReporter.com, Wes Craven, horror maestro, dies at 76. Written by Dwayne Burge on August 30th, 2015. Wes Craven, the famed maestro of horror known for Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream franchises, died Sunday after a battle with brain cancer. He was 76. Craven, whose iconic Freddy Krueger character horrified viewers for years, died at his home in Los Angeles, his family announced. Survivors include his wife, producer and former Disney Studios vice president, Ia Labunka, which I was like, whoa, Whoa. we'd have a fucking top dog wife. Damn, yeah. Yeah. Craven claimed to have gotten the idea for Elm Street from living next to a cemetery on a street of that name in the suburbs of Cleveland. The five Nightmare on Elm Street films were released from 1984 to 1989 and drew big crowds. Similarly, Craven's Scream series was a box office sensation. In those scare ups he spoofed the teen horror genre and frequently referenced other horror movies. scare ups <laughs> Craven's first feature film was The Last House on the Left, which he wrote, directed, and edited in 1972. A oh rape-revenge wow. movie, it appalled some viewers but generated big box office. Next came another film he wrote and helmed, The Hills Have Eyes, from 1977. Craven reinvented the youth horror genre in 1984 with Nightmare on Elm Street, which he wrote and directed. He conceived and co-wrote Elm Street 3 as well, and then, after not being involved with other sequels, deconstructed the genre a decade after the original writing and directing Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was nominated for Best Feature at the 1995 Spirit Awards. Amazing. In 1996, Craven reached a new level of success with the release of Scream. The film grossed more than $100 million domestically, as did Scream 2 in 1997. Between Scream 2 and Scream 3, 
Craven offered the opportunity to direct a non-genre film for Miramax, helmed Music of the Heart in 1999, earning Meryl Streep an Academy Award nomination. Also in 1999, in the midst of directing, he completed his first novel, The Fountain Society. Craven again pushed the genre boundaries with the 2005 psychological thriller Red Eye with Rachel McAdams and Cillian Murphy. Have you seen that? Never seen Red Eye on a plane. Yeah, it's good. And in 2006, he wrote and directed a romantic comedy homage to Oscar Wilde featuring Emily Mortimer and Rufus Sewell as a segment in the French ensemble production of Paris Je T'aime. Oh, okay. That's so interesting. Branching out a little bit. Of course, they talk about all the um, other movies that he directed, such as Swamp Thing from 1982, Deadly Friend 1986, and The People Under the Stairs 1991. He was born August 2nd, 1939 in Cleveland, a Leo. His father died when he was five. He was raised Mm. in a strict Baptist household. He graduated from Wheaton College with degrees in English and psychology, then earned a master's in philosophy and writing from John Hopkins. Wow. He briefly taught English at Westminster College and was a humanities professor at Clarkson College, where he served as a disc jockey for the campus radio station. (sighs) Amazing. He also had an eye for discovering talent. He cast Johnny Depp in A Nightmare on Elf. Elm Street. He also cast Sharon Stone in her first starring role for Deadly Blessing, and he gave Bruce Willis his first featured role in an episode of a 1980s version of The Twilight Zone. Wow. Craven was a nature lover and a committed bird conservationist, serving as a longtime member of the Audubon California Board of Directors. He penned a monthly column called Wes Craven's The Birds for Martha's (laughs) Vineyard magazine. Wow. Quote, I come from a blue-collar family, and I'm just glad for the work. I think it's an extraordinary opportunity and gift to be able to make films in general, and to have done it for almost 40 years now is remarkable. If I have to do the rest of the films in the horror genre, no problem. If I'm going to be a caged bird, I'll sing the best song I can. I can see that I give my audience something. I can see it in their eyes. And they say thank you a lot. You realize you're doing something that means something to people. So shut up and get back to work. (laughs) So that's a little bit on our sweet man, Wes Craven. And that's the end of my trivia. I love it. Sweet that over, you know, the credits at the end where it says for Wes. There's a little like... I mean, that doesn't sound like a bird, but it's a little. And I believe that that was specifically intentional. Yeah. To honor him. How about I ask you some questions? Absolutely. (laughs) Eileen, were you scared? Yes. Let's get let's not get it twisted. No. Yeah. There there was some spooks in here. Absolutely. I said yes as well. Uh, Slashers are always usually pretty reliably scary because ouch i don't want to get stabbed so (laughs) yes what was your best scare i'm gonna give it to the opening sequence i i mean in general it just 
the banging on the door was terrifying. The disarming and arming of the security system when he pops out of her in the house is terrifying. When he pops out of her in the front door and stabs her, terrifying. Mm -hmm. The voice in general, her fear. I think that whole segment at and as it should be in the beginning of a scream movie you need to punch us in the face with fear and i think they did a great job with this too so i'm going to give it to the opening sequence evil i also gave it to the opening if i had to be more specific it it's, it's that moment where she's like unlock unlock lock unlock and when i believe she's back on the phone with him and Ghostface is like, did I make it inside? And then pops up uh -huh. behind her. Bah! I jumped. I definitely jumped. So the opening will also take it for me. Yes. Who was your favorite character? I'm going to give it to Jenna Ortega. Listen, mm -hmm. I love them legacy kids and I love Sydney and I love Gail and I love Dewey. Mm -hmm. um, and so shout out to them as well. Doy, because you need mm -hmm. Absolutely. them. Absolutely. But I think I I'm always so impressed by her. And I think her sweet little body getting chucked around and just being Jesus. she's she's the catalyst. She's what drove us all here. So mm -hmm. I'm gonna give it to Tara, Jenna Ortega. Iwo? I have a bunch uh, because I just couldn't <laughs> pick here because it's hard to pick because yeah, you know, it, it is a big ass new, cast too. Yeah, a lot of people. So. Of course, I have to shout out Tara, Sam. Li I liked their relationship, this sister relationship going on. Um, little shout out to Amber as well, because even though I was like, I don't buy your motive, I still liked the like. I liked her performance, so I was like, yeah, oh, me yeah, too. Little shout out to Amber, but it's just got to be Sydney and Gail for me. <laughs> Dewey, of course, like do of course, of course, of course, but like these movies to me are like primarily about Sydney and just to see her with Gail kind of like fighting, kicking ass briefly at the end. Give us I was more. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to need some more, but you know, I will of course give it to them. What was your best line? There's a few here, but mm -hmm. of course we got to go with I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have a gun. That's a top. I don't know why, but it made me laugh so much. Someone's goofy ass dad is making us leave. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Gail saying, watch your tone, new girl. Hell yeah. And just because I love the way she delivered it. And I love that it was after he was such a whiny bitch being like, what about my ending? And fucking Sam just being like. Here it comes. And I was like, mm. ooh, that's Amazing. fucking good. Yeah. Uh, and not for nothing, even though it's super fucked, something about it's an honor really Oof. got me too. Yeah. So those yeah, are my those are mine. Nice. Nice. Evil. I also gave it to I'm Sydney fucking Prescott. Of course I have <laughs> a gun. I mean, I, it gives me chills. I'm just like, yeah, duh. Duh. But I also got to give, you know, Deputy Judy a little shout out. I prefer animated films. Musicals. <laughs> yes. uh, I was like, oh, that is so stupid. But, you know, it feels right in the Scream yeah. movie. So I'll give it to that. What was your best death? <sighs> I'm going to give it to Dewey. It was really brutal. 
I don't know. There was something about it that I was like, I wish it really didn't happen. Like honor this guy again, the honor thing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, this is fucked. The fact that the knives came up oof. and oof, it was just gnarly. Yeah, it's uh, awful. And not and shout out also to fucking Sam murdering the shit out of fucking uh, uh, Richie. Like that was just so good. She looked so great doing that. So <laughs> you look great two. murdering that guy. <laughs> Bitch, you look great. Kill that guy. Uh so yeah, those two. Itu? I gave it to Sam murdering Richie. I was like, please just end this person. Yeah. End this piece of shit. It's how horrible. It's horrible. But I was like, this is what we came for. Yeah. It, did you learn anything about the culture? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. Oh, that culture, that cultured town that of Woodsboro, Woodsboro culture. California. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, how many ooys do you give Scream 22? I'm going to give it three and a half. I have a lot of issues with it. Some of it lands funky in my body. What the fuck are we supposed to do with this Billy Loomis moment in the end? Give me more, Sydney and Gail. Mm-hmm. How dare you murder Dewey, even though I love the how he got killed. But mm-hmm. also, you should... I don't Complicated think it, feelings. Yeah, very complicated feelings, I think. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's a lot that it delivers. I think the kills are fucking awesome. It's, Ghostface is still super fucking scary. Requels reboots sequels all that shit i think that's a really hard thing to succeed in but i think it's a fun watch it's definitely very watchable very entertaining and it's a decent little slasher film so three and a half for me i gave it three um i a lot of those the three like the power behind the three is the fact that our two leads are are Latina love that but you know I mean you you've grasped if you've listened to this episode why we feel the way we feel but it was just like for me I feel like you didn't swing wide enough is that is that the saying but you, you swung for it and you did but you didn't at the same time honestly I thought they were going to tie in Stu somehow I thought the reveal was going to be like Stu and I know people are like that's yeah. so stupid. That's ridiculous. But I was like, if you're going to go there, go there. Do something bigger, something crazier. You can find a fucking... If we can see Billy Loomis in a mirror, bro, you can yeah, bring I Stu Mocker back. I'd be, like, I'd be like, okay, I buy it. Like, he didn't die or something like that. Yeah, sure, whatever. fuck it, fuck it, I, whatever. It's just like... <laughs> I was dying, so... man. <laughs> Classic. I just, I feel like... I mean, I was so excited for this movie and I will admit that like upon rewatching, I appreciate it more. I get more invested in these new characters, definitely more invested in the sisters. To me, there are no bad Scream films. I will rewatch. If you're like, hey, let's watch Scream, any of them, I'll be like, yes, absolutely. I'm down. Mm hmm. But just like this movie says, you can't please everybody. There was enough good in it for me to be like, you are a Scream film, so I will give you three ooze. But to me, it's just like, it's fine. It's just fine, you know? And also, give me more fucking Sydney and Gale. Oh my God, please. Um, But it doesn't seem like that's what we're... That's not what's happening. Dude, the next one doesn't have any Sydney yeah. in it at all. It's not in there. It's not in there. So, you know, Oof. but that's where we're going. That's where we're going. And that it is what it is. So three ooze for me.
great. Well, then let's hop on this subway that is heading oh. deep into Manhattan because uh, Scream 6 is on its way and we need oh, to make yeah. sure to get to Lincoln Center or <laughs> the or Apollo Jason will get us. <laughs> or Cat's Delicatessen. <laughs> Uh, and yes, be careful for Jason out there. Thank you so much for everybody being here with us. Guys, this was a long one, and we appreciate you sitting here standing. We stand all the way. We are the toxic fandom, and this is what it's all about. We're here to talk about the things we love, and they are franchises that finally include Latine people, and we are very grateful for it. But please, give us more. We want more. Yes, more. Mas de esto. Gimme, gimme more. Britney Spears. <laughs> Britney Spears. Uh, so again, thank you for being here with us. We appreciate every single one of you. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Follow our redes sociales at Uyurora on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. Uh, follow our Patreon. We're going to start hey. doing stuff over there. It just dropped not too long ago, and we hope you choose to join us. We would welcome you gladly. Find all of our movies on our link tree, linktr.ee slash Thank you to Sonoro for being the ghost face mask that hides our beautiful faces. You can. Oh, who could it be? <laughs> who could it be? Uh, you can follow them at Sonoro Podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. And Johnny, you are my legacy character. <laughs> I fucking love you, dude. <laughs> I fucking love you too. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adios. Adios. Uy, qué horror es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy, qué horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adiós. Adiós. <laughs>